Welcome to GCW Plants Podcast, episode 69. John, how are you doing today on Nick Wayne Day? You know, I'm actually really, really excited about that. We'll talk about that soon. I'm feeling great. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I just said I'm excited for it, too. Uh, I know we're recording as uh, Nick Wayne's about to have his AEW Dynamite debut and... uh, it's kind of good that we are recording now because I wouldn't be able to watch it live anyway, so I'd have to avoid Twitter. And recording the podcast helps me <laughs> avoid Twitter quite uh, quite well as the show is going on, so I could catch it later. But I am doing good tonight. We have a lot of stuff to cover from GCW's Cleanup Man in Hartford, Connecticut at the Webster Theater. All right, so I'll go ahead and just kind of ring off a couple interesting things here. This was the first wrestling event ever held in the Webster Theater. So what a great way to christen it, right? GCW first, baby. Also, this was the first. Oh, I'm sorry, bud. No, it's good. I was just kidding. It had a good acoustics. I, I like the venue like already just from the one episode, uh, one show there. I, I enjoy that, that uh, venue quite well. Yeah, you add that with the way the fans were just going nuts the whole night. We'll talk about that part further, too. Um, But yeah, this was the first time that GCW had ever been to Hartford. So they're really trying to put their foot down heavy in this town. And you could see that from the beginning on this card. Yeah, sorry. I I thought you were going to add on that. (laughs) No, no. This is how my timing is so far today. (laughs) Just give me a moment here and I'll get rolling to you. So the uh, show opens with Emil standing in the ring with those white tiger Zubaz pants on, which I love. I'm noticing that Emil always dresses right head to toe every time. I, I know you're a fan of Jordan's too, so I think he's a Jordan fan also. I like the Zubaz pants. I used to wear that all the time when I was like a kid, and now I see them coming back. I wouldn't. I want to buy a couple pairs just to get comfortable again. Dude, they're comfy as shit. My sweatpants, I wear like Zubaz pants. Like I have them all baggy and stuff. <laughs> as, a, as a big kid too, like Zubaz pants, I could always fit in. <laughs> no I bullshit. Love because they were so big. Those are like what they used to call the parachute pants, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, so we'll just go ahead with the elephant in the room here. There was a huge GCW sign that could be seen in the background. It's large, it's bright, and it's beautiful. It makes the ring glow like they're on the sun, and it was kind of thrown off the exposure on the hard cam for a minute there. You could, I'm sure you could see that too. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so this was really, like I said, GCW putting its heavy foot down on Hartford for the first time. So they're bringing all the heat with them. The crowd was loud. Uh, sound caught some of it. I'm going to say it again. Sorry, this is just me personally. We need that noise picked up from the floor just a little more. It still sounds like someone is recording the audio from just inside the venue or the crowd audio isn't getting mixed properly, one or the other. But people like me that go to the live shows, we do hear it when we go back and watch the show at home and we notice that the energy from the crowd wasn't fully captured. I don't know if you want to say anything about that or not. I think actually the complete opposite on this show i like uh-huh. i even told my wife like like for the first entrance when alec price came out like that was the first time watching on fight tv like i could hear his music super clear like even my wife goes holy shit like that was super loud and it was 
good to hear his music and nice and clear because she goes like, oh, I had never really heard his music played that loud. And so I actually think the the crowd and the music and was everything the audio was actually really good. I was actually going to say like you should be happy for this one because it's something you thought uh, audio wise it was good. Yes, a good chunk of it. I'm going to tell. Okay. You got me on this one. This is a good one. <laughs> so, I'm a little confused. Maybe so watch what, it is, what it is, is for some reason, the audience sound seems like it's missing its treble. And it also seems like they're recording it from maybe on the stage, not from the cameras down on the ring, you know, the ring front area. There's no real microphones outside of those two on the ring side. I don't think they have one hanging from the ceiling or whatnot. So... I know it's not easy to get the fans like noise. What I'm saying is, is when I watch WWE, I get a nice live sound from the fans. I don't know a better way to really put that. Um, I know sometimes it might be even fake, but yeah, yeah, they, they do have that sound in there. And I'm, I don't know, maybe like I said, I, I know I'm being picky. I know I'm, that. I'm shocked you said that because like I thought this was the one you'd be like so happy about. Like, that was the first thing I told my wife. I was like, "Hey, like listen to this. John's been asking for better audio right away. That is first true. entrance, that is true. first entrance of the night. We can hear his music loud and clear. And the, and the I thought the crowd. I heard the cloud really good, especially like during Dustin Waller's entrance was like the very very clearly. I heard the crowd on that one. So I, I found it odd you said that. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, here. I thought I thought this was the opposite. I thought the audio so, was very good on this show. You you pointed something out to me that I cannot deny, and that's the music. I could actually hear the entrances really well. What I can say is in the last couple of shows, GPW's done a lot of work on improving the audio. And yeah. you know what? I think you got me here. I'm being picky. <laughs> I'm being picky. Look, literally, I'm like, hey, you know what? I want more blood out of this turnip. How about I just be happy with the turnip that I have? Kind of thing. I think, I, I think I that's what it. it is. I think I'm just being a picky little bitch about it. I think you're right, though. You said like every single one, it does improve. Like every kind of like show, we are noticing this improvement, that improvement, this improvement. Yes. Like there's always an improvement going on. Like, yes, there's never going to be perfection. Like, wow, I think we could always, we're always going to nitpick about something until it gets perfected. But like, even then, I don't think yeah. we even know what we're looking for in perfection, I think. But I no, just, I'm no. glad to see the, the progress and the improvements every single time. And I, I thought this, like I said, was the biggest jump, especially in audio. And right away with Alec Price music, like, that music never gets caught that clearly. And my wife like was bl- like, right, her mind was right. blown. She was like, wow. She's like, I don't even pay attention that much to the audio. But now that you pointed it out, I've never heard Alec Price's music. And I was like, yeah, that's what it sounds like. It's kind of cool. To hear. <laughs> well, yeah. And the music fits him really well. See, now I'm stunned. I'm thinking. About it. I'm like, no, no, no. So because what I was hearing from the crowd, I just chalked it up to it being a great crowd. And I think what's going on now that I'm looking in retrospect is I am just being picky because if I go back, there was a lot of crowd in that audio. Huh. You got me, dude. No, you got me. No, you got me. Actually, that's that's mind blowing. Good stuff. Okay. 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 So so my last little pre-show remark before we go into it here was that again. GCW chants all throughout the beginning of the show, all throughout the show, all the way to the end of the show. This crowd just wanted to fucking chant. That's all there was to it. There was a match where they were cheering for Effie, and then moments later, they'd cheer for Cole. Like, they didn't give a fuck. They just wanted to cheer. And I've been in that scenario before. I love it. So anyone who acts like that, I'm 100% behind. So good fun. 
That will lead us into our opening match from GCW's Cleanup Man, which is a four-way match as the competitors were Alec Price, Brogan Finley, Dustin Waller, and Grim Reefer. Quite a quite a name, quite a four names there for a scramble. Uh, interesting. <laughs> nice to see Grim Reaper back. At least I know it's out east, so at least it's uh, closer to the New York area for him. So it was nice to see Grim Reaper and Dustin Waller back. And I didn't know Dustin Waller was from the Connecticut area until they mentioned it on right. uh, on uh, the the show and or the stream or whatever. And it was they, his reaction was kind of more stunning than all. Like he, like I like how praise I called it. Like Alec Price got the biggest and loudest entrance for sure but like even Dustin Waller from the home place they're all like still like it was loud but Alec Price was the one that got the streamers not the hometown hero and then later on during the match the crowd was firmly behind Alec Price given the like the one more time because he's trash right to Dustin Waller from Connecticut they praise us like he's from Connecticut man you're not supposed to root for that man like I love love that commentary to it but this was a good four-way match i like the the this foursome put on a pretty good uh four-way match that was uh surprising in my eyes all right so i'll kind of give a little intro on each of these uh lovely performers here we have alec price he came out first i can safely say he's now a gcw regular i think we're that's pretty safe right b yeah yeah, yeah. for sure uh, the high upward trajectory his home territory is in the northeast he's the northeast beast he comes out in a Hartford Whalers jersey, which oh, got a rousing reception, man. And and then here we are again that I'm a big fan of, the streamers. You know what? It took me a minute. It was the second time I watched this match that I noticed he had the Hartford jersey on. I never noticed until you just said that. Then I'm watching it. I was like, oh, shit. I didn't even put two and two together. <laughs> the streamers, from though. Boston. Yeah, that's a more shocking part from Boston Seriously. getting that getting that reaction. I thought the streamers, right away when I saw the streamers, I was like, oh, I know you love that part. I love the streamers too, but you talk about it way more than I do. Uh, we don't see it quite often in GCW, so it was really nice to see Alec Price get that uh, kind of in his home territory, as you were saying. And that was the most streamers like I've seen in a GCW ring, so it was good to see him kind of get that. And it was all his colors too. Yeah, there was some coordination it. with the fans there, and I really like that a lot. So I'm also noticing, I don't know if you have, there's this cool camera thing that's going on during Price's entrance. So it follows him around ringside while he talks shit into the camera. So I don't know if you're noticing that, but watch it when you get a chance. It looks good. He looks hype. The crowd is literally passing beside him as he goes. They look hype. So I see it. I'm hoping others maybe do too, but I think it's a good concept. And I'm hoping that's something that somebody decided to catch and work on because I, I finally get it. I've been seeing it the last four shows maybe, but it works. It's like just getting hyped before you get out there. But again, is that a heel thing? I was about to say, I'm glad he did it because it maximizes your TV time. Like, that's something Booker T, I think that's the smartest thing I've ever heard Booker T yeah. say. Like, whenever he used to walk down the entrance and like, hey, like, I didn't get promo time in front of, on a mic, but I got the camera in front of me. Why why waste that time just posing and catering to the fans? Use that as a promo time for TV. And like, I, I love that part. And I agree with you. I think a lot more wrestlers should start using that, um, especially like on the independent scenes. Like, you, there's not a lot of quote unquote promo times being used during these events might as well use your entrance time to get get your character more over and use that time more efficiently hmm. you know you're right too it's not like we really outside of maybe someone grabbing a microphone in the beginning or the end of a match we really don't hear a 
behind the stage, you know, promo somewhere. It's Cardona. <laughs> Let's yeah. see Cardona yeah. coming out. Like he's the only one really getting the him and Blake now are kind of like the only ones getting all well, engaged to in promo times. So, and yeah, you no one else is really cutting promos. That's something we always want to see. Like when we say, hey, the next step in this wrestler, we want to see how they are in the mic. Like I mean that's something yes. a lot of independent wrestlers I would like to see that because there's we just don't they, there's not enough time given to them on the mic. So then Alec Price, especially using this camera time to kind of cut that little promo was, I think, smart and good. And like I thought immediately of Booker T when he said that, because that's some a very good quality. I think a lot of these younger wrestlers should start using a little bit more. Well, I think this kind of leads up to the next person that came out. Brogan Finley. Nice to see him traveling with GCW. Still green in my eyes. Bright future. I uh, I'm wanting to see more personality with him or something that sets him apart from all the other wrestlers. Otherwise, right now, he's already getting lost in the shuffle. This is where I was saying it, you know, you bridge my point with your point right there. He's one that if uh, he just jump on a microphone, I think that would really do a lot for him. I think that helped out Kerry Morton when he hopped on the microphone when he kind of started turning heel in GCW. That's something with Brogan kind of doing the same thing similar uh, than Kerry. I think that even just a quick two-minute promo would do a lot for his character to get it more to where he wants to be as it kind of seems as a heel right now. Yeah, and and that's what I was going to say here later in the notes. I think we're on the same page. I think a heel Finley would be really the beneficial way to go. If you agree with me, I don't know if you do or not. No, yeah, I, I, uh, when one of the shows, those New South shows, when like Brogan kind of turned on GCW, I was like, that makes sense. Like he would be the one that would kind of turn, uh, on GCW and kind of be the heel. And that I, I, I agree with you too. I think he works way better as a heel than a face. And I know this is a situation where I just I saw him getting so much heat when he pulled some shit in this match too. That I'm like, you know, it's a trope, but the foreign heel is always, you know, if you have one guy out of Scotland, England, Ireland, and they talk all cocky or when they just pull heat like crazy, that seems to, you know, that cocky European yeah. guy who thinks he's better than us Americans. And and he could use know? it too with his name. He could use the Finley names saying yes. like, hey, I'm better than all you guys. And I think that's why we look kind of like to carry Morton doing the opposite of what his dad did and turning heel because like it's kind of a little bit easier to play the heel version of being the son of a famous wrestler than it is kind of living up to that name. Oh, it's it's a true. There's a lot of upside. I'm just saying I I need more to hang on to him being in GCW. Like I like his size, I like his moveset, I like his potential and his age. I just need to see what he's about. He always I, comes out as just the average guy in every match and I know he's better than average. Yeah, and I think in this match it kind of didn't help him either being in a match with Alec Price and Dustin Waller specifically, there's a lot of similarities between all three of them, but I think the in-ring and the flashiness is way more on Alec Price's side and Dustin Waller's side than it is Brogan right now. He kind of like in this match, he felt like he was like, kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit, like kind of looked lost in the shuffle of trying to do what those guys were doing, but also doing it his way and trying to keep up, <laughs> keep up with the Alec Price and Dustin Waller kind of styles. What I felt in this match. So you know what, I'm kind of with you, and and ever. You just said that, and I'm like, damn, we could have pulled Reefer from this. Now, of course, this is, you know, Reefer's needed, but we could have pulled Reefer from this, and this would have been a fantastic three-way. Yeah, I, I like having Reefer in this match just for these spots and kind of, yes, I yeah. don't ever expect him to really win these matches. Like, I just expect him to do do his shit, get over and have fun and collect a paycheck. Like, he doesn't 
seem like the kind that really cares about wins or losses other than just getting the moment and getting the opportunity to go out there and perform in front of their fans. And I don't mind. I didn't mind seeing him in this match. I was like, oh, okay. He like he stood out though in this match because he did different stuff and he did his thing. Like Alec yes. Price did his thing. Dustin Waller did his thing. Brogan, when it came to do his thing, it kind of felt like, what are you going to do different compared to what we just saw? So that's where I felt that way. So uh, talking about reefer, the Northeast is reefer's stomping grounds. Or the Northeast are? Is it the Northeast is or the Northeast are reefers? Is, is I think is. Is, okay, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll correct that live <laughs> on it, right? Uh, he came out to big noise from the crowd. It's hard to fuck with a veteran in his own neighborhood, you know? So it's always nice to see him there. And then we have our hometown Dustin Waller out last to big cheers from Meriden, Connecticut, about 20 minutes from Hartford. Scramble expert. Only singles match in GCW was against Teriyaki, Settlement Series 3. Just kind of wanted to throw that out there a little bit about these guys. So the wrestlers turn to the crowd to get one more rally from the fans before the match gets underway. The crowd gets huge GCW chance. So then our start of the match has Reefer standing in the middle of the ring. He lights up. Reefer offers to Waller and Finley. They say no. Alec wants to smoke, that's for sure. Reefer <laughs> goes to pass and Waller and Finley then attack from behind. So Reefer owns about the first two minutes of the match because he ate his spinach early. He's out there flipping and flying with the young kids. He just looks fantastic at his age. But um, watching the next four minutes of time with Waller, Price, and Finley gives us a nice glimpse into the future of the industry. It's just, it looks so damn good. I think we need a heel Finley, but um, that's something that we talked about. And it's just kind of funny. It somehow came up in my notes there. And I was trying to hold off on that one. But yeah, that was a talk that we I was about to say that was way too low for it to glance my eyes and for me to say something. I didn't even see that. So it just popped up now. So uh, there was a nice spot from the heel Finley um, section there. He was mocking Eddie Guerrero at one point. Um, so I'll go with another spot here. Alec goes for his trash spot. The whole crowd was calling the hometown Dustin Waller trash. And that's where you were saying, uh, praise that kind of came in for me. He's like, that's the hometown guy. Why is he trash? Prazak made a lot of good little quips, uh, like short, quick quips throughout this whole event that I caught on and I loved it uh, the entire night. And that was the first one. Like, you can't say the home person, like the hometown hero's trash. Like, that. I think he was saying that, though, just to show how over Alec Price really is. Because, I mean, that's yes. something you don't normally see. Unless it's against a very a clear face, baby face and heel, then, yeah, they're going to do that for the baby face. Heel. But, like, you had the opposite. You got the heel doing it. To the hometown babyface, and they still cheered for the hometown here. And I think Prazak was just trying to say, like, that shows you what kind of talent uh, Christ is going to be when he gets the crowd on his side more so than the hometown hero. So uh, fast forward just a little bit. Reefer seems to show up, like, to the last minute of the match. So the spot here I'm going to mention was Reefer with a top rope Russian leg sweep on price. I'll have another spot where Waller with a nice dive over the ring post onto everyone on the floor. And then I'll go straight into our ending here. Alec delivers a blockbuster to Finley and follows it up with a surprise kick for three. So our winner in this one was Alec price. So you tell me what you think about this match. 
Well deserved. I thought like that little thing you had there in the middle with the three Finley Price and uh, Waller showing kind of what the feature. I thought that was a good look because like that is uh, out there with the top names out there in independent wrestling and them to get that little couple minutes uh, in the middle of this four way match was a great call. Great glimpse of what to what we're going to see in the future from these three. And I think it's only even going to get better as they improve because we just see how fast they're improving. Like, that's what they got to notice now with these young talents. If I'm like one show to the next, we don't see them for a while and how much they improved in such a short amount of time, which is great to see. And I was rooting for Alec Price for this scramble. I'm glad he won. And, uh, I'm glad he got the treatment he did because uh, we've been kind of talking. It seems like, oh, Alec Price seems upset or mad and he's taking these losses and he's getting like, doesn't seem into it. And you get that crowd reactions like, no, yeah, he's this is what he <laughs> wants all the time. And this is probably what he deserves. And I was glad he got it. Dude, it was really beautiful that some fans really came out to see Alec perform. Like, this is what almost every wrestler would want. Like, just one small, rabid group of fans in every crowd. He had that that night. Waller, unfortunately, he got eclipsed because of the situation with Alec. The fans that he had there were just loud. I do feel bad for him since he was the hometown guy because the dude is highly talented. Just wanted to kind of throw that out there. You're the same thing. You think Waller pretty damn good. What you have on these notes is pretty much what I've said and saying or thinking. (laughs) I agree with you on all three of those. Well, it's just one of these things. I think we're on the same page tonight, maybe. Because we're already talking over each other. We're already giving each other like a certain space on certain things. Like it's going to take a minute for us to flow. I, I can tell though, we're kind of in the same, like when we're talking on the before wavelength. we get the notes. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, see, here we go again. Brogan may need to go heal. He got a great re- reaction from the crowd for his heal work. Then Reefer, here's my final on Reefer. What I love about Reefer is you know what you're getting and you'll enjoy it the whole time. He's never overexposed to where he becomes stale with the crowd. Even hardcore fans like myself don't get sick of seeing him. He just shows up unexpectedly, but it's always just like, you know, the right time. I literally have family just like Reaper. Uh, And then something that's really nice about scrambles I've never really mentioned before. It's a way to allow younger talent to get in the ring, show off a few things they may know. There are many other wrestlers in the match, so the talent doesn't feel as pressured to perform every moment. Fans are literally voting on the popularity of the performer by using their voices. I want people to know this is something worth thinking about when a scramble comes. When a scramble comes, it's like getting a fucking plate full of all kinds of foods. Start yelling about your favorite food and um, make noise and you'll probably see him further in better places like tag teams, singles action. We've seen that with quite a few scrambles. Like if you looked at a scramble from two years ago, there was quite a few of those that are in singles places today. Alex Zane, Blake Christian, you know, Ninja Mac. Ninja Mac. I mean, just you can start picking talent from scrambles today and know that one year from now, most of them are going to grow into something bigger and better. That's why I've been saying I like the scrambles like Alec Price. I like he gets those two minutes to just shine and go crazy during the scrambles and go off. But I also think like he's out not outgrown the scramble, but I, I got to the point where I've seen enough of him in these scrambles where I prefer to see him in a one-on-one match, tell a story, show the struggle, show off different move sets and stuff like that, and care like carry a match 
like 15 minute match with another veteran and have a good one. I think he's in that status. I, but I love these scrambles because they are, I think they are meant just like you said, for the younger talent showcase, but also don't have the pressure and stress and also get your shit over. And yep. that's why I think with these scrambles, whenever we see the younger talents and um, we kind of know what to expect, but then when sometimes we get these special ones, like the next night we saw at the JCW show, like an all-star scramble show, uh, match with like Cole Radger, Gringo, Jack Cartwheel, Jimmy Lloyd, like all these people that can do great matches without a scramble. And then you get an all-star scramble, like the feeling just feels different in an all-stars kind of scramble than uh, the rookie ones. But I enjoy always the scrambles because it's perfect for the young talent to, as you said, showcase their talent. Well, yeah, because it feels like, I don't want to say kindergarten, but it's like, that's where you start at GCW half the time, unless you have some kind of a, something that comes with, you know, Osprey is going to come in yep. and scramble it out, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> um, Kevin Knight, he may or may not, but chances are he's not going to scramble it out, you know, with, with some of these other folks. So, um yeah, I just want people to know that they can vote. And it's really cool when and if you can to just throw your vote out there because it does get heard. I have no other better way to say it. But if you really want to get attention to your whomever, that's the way to do it. That will lead us into our second matchup of the evening as it is a 6 person tag match as a team of wasted youth dylan mckay and marcus mathers team up with jimmy lloyd going against the maximo brothers will jose and joel the sat i was just excited to see the sat back and once again fucking delivered once again wasted youth is also improving every single time i see them now like this was another one they stepped up here and dylan mckay is starting to feel i think uh find his role in the tag team and doing some crazy spots as he always does, but getting more, I think he was more over with this crowd too, that I've ever expected as the crowd was chanting for his name. But uh, this was a fun match. I'm glad to see SAT back. I, I kind of similar to what you said about reefer. I want to see them, but I also don't want to become oversaturated with them and see them all the time because I feel like then the specialness does go away. But for now we're seeing them once every two, three months on GCW pop up. It does still get me excited to see them. Well, yeah. Um, I was going to mention someone from ECW that shows up later, but same thing. He shows up once. It's like, oh, right, great. If he showed up every show, you're like, oh, well, hey, he's here again. Yep. Good point. So Jimmy Lloyd and Wasted Youth are out first. Shouldn't Jimmy Lloyd maybe be a part of Wasted Youth, given he's a former child actor? Idea? I think Jimmy just fits in with everybody. He fits in with Wasted Youth, yeah. fits in with Basisos. It's wherever you need him, he, he fits in. But I, he kind of like is part of Wasted Youth, kind of because like he's always with Marcus. It seems like whenever like the old school GCW podcast, every time Jimmy's on, it's like, oh yeah, I'm with Marcus. We just came back from Applebee's or whatever. So it's like, it seems like they, <laughs> they are kind of like, uh, like his protégés kind of, oh, that's scary to say Jimmy Lloyd has protégés up. <laughs> right. But uh, I was kind of, if you asked me two people, I think that would probably got the most benefit and most rub from Jimmy and being around Jimmy, I would say it's Wasted Youth. No, it's a good point. Um, wasted Youth are both from that H2O Academy. They're trainees over there. I am sure they're making their Academy proud right now. They've done so much. Okay, so you know how I am with some of these folks. Dylan. 
I wrote a little thing here that said he has notched a higher spot in my book the past few months. He's been putting in extra work on his last few performances, and it's gained more of my respect. So once again, here we are kind of in the same vein. Um, Marcus is a rising star with a lot of personality in my book. In time, I hope to see him grab a mic and connect further with the crowd. I feel both uh, him and Dylan work best uh, together as a team. They also use each other to become better, if you really watch. I can't really describe it, but I can see it in ring. I've seen the growth personally over the last, say, one to two years, and it just it looks so good from them. Second now, coming out, happy to see the SAT back in GCW ring doing it all over again. They come out to rock superstar. Um, make sure to put some respect on that name. They were trained by Mike Awesome and Mikey Whipwreck. So if you're a GCW fan, you've probably also you're probably also an ECW fan. So you know the names of Whipwreck and Awesome. They do carry. But watching the SAT perform with the next generation of wrestling is a treat to me. They're my age. They're kind of a little older than you are, but they're my age. <laughs> and um, they were at ECW, so they've seen some things. They had the spot monkeys come out with them, huge Puerto Rican flag flying, SAT chants from the crowd. They were getting their respect. I, I love the fucking monkeys, bro. SAT was in ECW? They were trained by ECW people. Oh, okay, okay. So I would have to go look, but I'm going to tell you, it is very, very possible. One of them for sure is my age, which means they very well at 18, 19, and 20 could have performed. Yeah. 1998 i was 18 years old it doesn't surprise me. i just i just never knew like i, I that's worth looking uh, up yeah that's interesting <laughs> um as the tag team i i agree with that. i i kind of i don't know how do i word this without sounding bad like marcus mathers was seems like two or three years ago before nick way like he was the next young up-and-coming young talent and who's going to take over the world and then it just kind of seems like once nick wayne came and some of the mm -hmm. other younger billy and some other younger talents it seemed like marcus mathers kind of like the momentum was super behind him and this kind of like fell off all of a sudden and i'm glad i'm super glad to see him teaming with dylan mckay and waste youth because they do work well together as a team but i think this as as you said it elevated him back up to where he, i thought think he was going because I don't know, just something happened where it seemed like he dropped off momentum-wise a little bit, and we didn't see a lot of him. And then now with the Wasted Youth, you see him kind of working his way back up and getting that momentum back on his side, as well as helping out uh, Dylan McKay and getting that momentum on his side as well. And I think they do work together as a tag team, and it shows kind of Marcus... I don't know, Marcus is a... Uh, shows him performing at a different level as a tag team than what we were getting uh, right. in singles competitions is, I guess, the way I was looking to say that. Okay, so I looked real quick, and from what I can see, the closest they ever came to ECW was CZW, 2001. Okay. It was the last that SAT were in there. Now, that doesn't mean there wasn't some loose work somewhere, but officially, that's all I see in there. So they were trained by ECW people, and that was primarily, it looks like, the furthest that they went with my uneducated you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing something 100%. Here's where we're going to have some fun. You, the fans, everyone listening. Did you know Amazing Red is a member of the SAT? Did you know that? No, no, no. Who stole the fucking GCW tag title belts from Wayne and Oliver? Not Amazing Red. That's so Amazing Red, I guess. <laughs>
it's possible there's a deep storyline here. SAT could be sleepers, playing dirty, under the radar. Maybe they screw over East-West to help Red's team with those belts. Maybe. Could we see a That'd setup be. from one team or the other? See the are, spot monkeys come in just and cost are the spot match. Are the spot, spot, are the spot monkeys them? Fuck. Uh, uh, are they working together? Is there a house of glory undercurrent to all this? Maybe I'm diving too deep. Maybe not. But if someone sat there just like I or you did, they're standing on a fucking storyline full of money right now. And it can jump companies. SAT comes in, does their thing, goes for the fucking title. The spot monkeys come in, fuck it up. At the end of the match, after SAT wins the fucking titles, they're like, boom, we're taking this shit back to House of Glory. Spot monkeys take the fucking masks off. And that's, guess who it is? And then, boom, they can cover for the the title right there, or they can just be like, no, nah, this was a House of Glory thing the whole time. It's possible. That's that's good. I'm, actually, I'm so trying to look up real fast. I'm trying to look up real fast when uh, I I don't know if I think uh, Jordan and Nick had a just a straight tag match against the SAT here mm-hmm. just recently and like yeah, missed they opportunity do that yep that's uh, that's so that that's great I didn't up. know that about Amazing Red this is what happens man we dig a little deep and then we find some shit and right there dude it's a diamond I just uncovered a diamond of a storyline was it you that maybe mentioned it or maybe I read it online uh. That Cardona could possibly be uh, working undercover from from Hog and get into GCW as well, since he's now the House of Glory champion. Well, I don't, I don't know if I. might have been there. You may have heard that online, honestly. But I thought like there's an influx. I was going to talk about it later, but you know who else is over there all the time, right? Mason. Charles Mason's in this show too. Mason was the champion. A third to let's just say a fifth. A fifth of this roster tonight is House of Glory. Huh. That's the stuff that we've been saying. We've been wanting to see these cross-promotional storylines and the weaving in and out. And then that gets the fans invested to go watch, as we said. Now I'm more interested to go watch a House of Glory show just to see yeah. what they tease with the bookers holding the tag titles or going to defy seeing what SGC is doing and defy with the tag belts. Like it's cool seeing these inner, inner promotional storylines kind of weaving in, in and uh, out of each other. It makes everything just more interesting to watch and uh, gain knowledge of. Cause like, I, I didn't know about amazing red that just now makes you know, mm-hmm. I want to do a deep dive and see mm-hmm. what kind of cool stuff they could do with it. We've got we've got some shit. Now, I may have cracked into something big before it happened or I gave someone a fantastic idea that I hope they run with. But if none of this happens at all, it's going to be one fucking huge missed opportunity. So they're going to go over there to House of Glory and they have to fight it out. East West has to fight it out. What happens if SAT costs them the title? Mm. yeah see so amazing red and his squad got that sat come in to title all of a sudden they're like boom sat won this bitch we're all the same fucking squad dude <sighs> and then and then and then east west has to go back home with no fucking titles house of glory has to come back over sat is now a fucking heat squad you have someone like los macizos that could come in against sat and put on a fucking show there are so many great little things that can happen here. And if there's singles beef, you have Mason, you have Cardona, you have a whole thing available here. I just pissed myself. <laughs> did, uh, just saying, did you just see saying. who Macisos are getting? 
Uh, and a tag match. I think it was announced today. Uh, who they're getting coming up here soon? No, no. Violence is forever. That oh, is really? going to be a fun one. I hope. Interesting. That one's going to be fun. I hope Mato's able to stay uh, fully healthy for that match because that would be a barn burner between those two teams. Man, yeah, fingers crossed on that, dude. The last couple matches have been fantastic, but yeah, there was a small There's time a- there where he was rolling out every ever other one or every one, and I'm like, damn, I hate to see that because <laughs> such a hard worker. Yeah, Whew. I didn't even think about the House of Glory, so I'm now interested. Uh-huh. It was a Friday, yeah, Friday nights. The show. Like I said, I either cracked open something like that shouldn't have been cracked open yet, or there's something here that's a total missed opportunity. Because I'm just there's loving, so though. much there. There's GCW ever, Defy, Wrestling Revolver that is going on. Uh, what is it called? How's the House of Glory still? Like, right. uh, GCW is just all like, the, the talent is all over the place and doing a lot of cool things and a lot more cooler things could be done still. I just, I had to put it out there because when you have something like that going on, I mean, what happened? I mean, real long-term storylines really everyone cooperates gcw turns into this place where everybody gets full of themselves and every time a gcw wrestler shows up to another show a defy show or enough they just get the shit boot out of them because we're like those fucking assholes from that asshole company that's another thing that would take forever to set up but would be so much fun ally catch goes out to wrestling revolver and she gets booed out of the building which of course is so I about, yeah i'm about to say now that's her is her job in wrestling revolver t- with the unit now and jt done yeah i think those things would be interesting yeah so. i think everything's been interesting but now as you said with the house of glory that just adds another promotion of what what possibilities can be done and i yeah i can't wait to see what happens on this new york show give and me see if there's any crossovers yeah i want to see like now like gcw run in on house of glory and some shit I want GCW versus House of Glory at you pick the place. Let's go with an old school ECW type place. And let's go with our women versus your women, our tag versus your tag. Let's go with ultraviolet. Let's I mean, let's take it to the limit and uh, have some fun with it. I, I'm interpromotional all day long. I love it. I love seeing stuff like that. I like the battle lines, but I also like knowing that people are working together. So Yeah, for sure. When they're me. all working together, it's better. Hell yeah, and people are making money. So I'll go back to the match. I I can get off track here pretty easily. I, I've been working really, really like a lot lately. So multiple Jimmy Lloyd chants. I know I just shoved that in there, but trust me. <laughs> multiple Jimmy Lloyd chants before the uh, match even has a chance to get off the ground. Is his popularity rising? I think that's just something that I want to just ask for a quick moment because that dude's really... Like, he's getting some big cheers everywhere he goes now. I mean, there were people that were asking for him to be in a scramble match one time a couple episodes ago, and, you know, he wasn't even in the damn thing, and they're like, Jimmy, Lloyd, Jimmy. I'm like, wow, what's what's going on with that little phenomenon? Is that picking up, like, the Jimmy I think Lloyd it's just a, I, It's been louder, yeah, for sure, but I think it's always been there. Like, he's always been kind of like the underground kind of – favorite because he's willing to do as we say scramble matches or the death matches or six-way matches with wasted youth or macisos he's just down or do whatever and i i don't know i thought 
I think it would be cool just to even have him like win some sort of title and then lose it right away, even just to get that pop for him because like that pop would be incredible. I just I just think the crowd has been cheering for him for a while. Like every time we hear his music, even in LA, like everyone's all singing and bouncing. Like Jimmy Lloyd and the chants, he usually gets the, the loudest chance too. So uh, I I hope it does turn into something, even if it's just for one moment for him to kind of and the fans to kind of get that pop off their chest. Yeah, he's loved everywhere he goes, man. Yeah. All right. So Wasted Youth was shown as being respectful to the veteran team. They really did like SAT a lot. The crowd is chanting Jimmy Lloyd's name so he could be tagged in at one point. We also got a Dylan chant. This crowd is the fun kind. I like them. Would 100% hang with this crowd. They, uh, I don't know. They had like a hockey kind of attitude to it. Maybe it's because I saw a whaler jersey. Yet. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's just because it's the Northeast. But uh, tag rules were followed, which allowed more freedom for real wrestling psychology to go down in the ring. There was a spot I wanted to mention. There was an awesome Brooklyn Bridge. Outside the ring, Marcus Mathers was basically being held on top of one of the Maximo brothers' shoulders. Then one of the other brothers hit a tope and completely wipes out Marcus into the spot monkeys, which created huge GCW chance. I'm going to say something because it's in my notes and I'm realizing this as I wrote it earlier today. Um, commentary doesn't really differentiate between the brothers. That's not easy and it's not fun for someone like me because then I can't learn who is who. Now, I know that's maybe lazy on my side because I should try to figure out who is who, but I'm taking it from a fan perspective. You know what I mean? Like I'm not professional commentary as anyone can hear. Dude, it just took me to about this time to finally differentiate between Jimmy and Jey Uso. Like, I really thought it was like just slow. one holding his finger in front of his face like a mustache. <laughs> it's not the I'm, same guy. I'm just like so slow, like on the like the twins and trying to figure out who's who and who's not. Like I'm the same way with the Maxwell. Like, I don't. I honestly yes. I can't tell who's who. Like and no disrespect. Like, I, no, and it's like, I, I look for. It. I wait to hear commentary. Like, okay, that one's Joel. Good, got it. Or like, even like yes. these tag teams I've never seen before. Like when I first was learning uh, the weights and curls, we'll see later on Trayvon and uh, Braden. I used to get them confused all the time because I couldn't like when I sometimes I listen to the sound, I don't catch the names or hear it because I have it on low sound. Right. But like, right. I'm, I'm just now starting to differentiate between Trayvon and Braden. I'm like, oh, like I just got to learn these names and the commentary. I look a lot to the commentary to catch it, especially when they come out as a tag team and they don't have like their name, their actual name with their, when they come out, like how we do in singles competition. So um, learning some new names and like trying to differentiate between the, the, the Maximo brothers. Uh, I do heavily rely on commentary to help me out with that one. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm there. Well, yeah. So this was one of those times where it really fucked me, and I was having a real hard time with it. And I feel terrible because the SAT guys are fucking awesome. So I'm really enjoying the old school tag match because that's kind of what it felt like. Um, probably like an early 2000s tag match is what it had. Uh, you know, it felt like SAT were in their realm, fighting in their kind of territory where they were comfortable minute six was dylan handling the entire other team by himself and still getting a two count on i believe joel there was another spot where sat did the washing machine on marcus mathers which 
love that fucking move so much. That's the one where they do the spin and smack. Oh, man. Uh, kudos to Marcus for carrying a lot of the ring time for his team. Second to Dylan for coming in with some amazing high spots. Speaking of Dylan's high spots, there was one where he was eating a huge lariat off the top rope. It was just something I'd never seen before. There was another spot where SAT hit their Spanish fly on Dylan McKay, produced a ton of GCW chants. And then we'll go ahead into our last minute here. Our last minute was a complete flurry of moves. Mathers went up to the top rope into a destroyer on one of the brothers. Lloyd and Mathers then double super kicks onto Joel. Marcus then holds another brother on his knees while Dylan does a moonsault onto him. Marcus then with a huge tope on the spot monkey and the rest of the SAT that were left. Jimmy Lloyd goes for a tombstone as Dylan goes for a shooting star pile driver as an assist. And Lloyd then finishes that tombstone pile driver for the win. So our winners here were Jimmy Lloyd and Wasted Youth. And it was, I actually sat there and took every note by note because what was going on in the last 30 seconds of that match was just awesome and so much fun to try to it was a lot but it was worth it <laughs> i think your description right there of mark uh, way seduced marcus being in the ring taking the kind of the damage and dylan coming in for the high spots i think that's when they work for best as a tag team in my opinion i think marcus is a little bit more well-rounded overall better wrestler right at this moment than dylan mckay but dylan mckay i think has the high flying moves definitely over marcus mathers um on that respect and i think just when they both lean into their strengths and as they as you mentioned marcus being in the ring a lot dylan coming in doing some crazy moves that that's when they best work as tag team and i'm glad that this kind of formula was for this match as well and with jimmy lloyd coming in and doing his shit uh, um in the six-person ta- uh, tag match, it was, was perfect as well. And I'm glad that Jimmy was the one that got the victory, as you said, kind of maybe start teasing and building that momentum of the crowd cheering for him, just even that little bit more with this victory uh, over the SAT and him being the one that actually gets the pinfall. What if Jimmy beats the fuck out of Blake Christian and takes the title? Well, remember, that's why I was saying one, like in Jersey, they the should pop. do like for one thing. Yeah, just like even like some dusty, super fast count finish by the ref. And then like later on, Blake comes out and could uh, get that belt back from Jimmy. But that pop an AC for Jimmy when any belt, like the extreme belt, I think would be best for him right now. Like he would get booed if he beat Rena for the ultraviolet. But for the extreme, which it's Joey, I guess, like. Uh, Joey would make him look really good and have a great like passing of the baton to Jimmy and make Jimmy look good for his uh, kind of big moment in GCW. I think we need a couple test singles matches just to make sure he's as uh, solid as he needs to be, because I'm sure if he's not, he's close. And then I like your idea, maybe a UV title, maybe a hardcore title, whatever it is, not the championship yet. No, but yeah. It would be cool. Something a, believable. A quick cheap pop would be kind of cool to see that for the yeah. title. But that's yeah, why I think um, believable extreme is, I think, is where it kind of falls down to. Yeah. If Jimmy shows up with his title, someone's going to get hurt. It'd just be great. But like he's, and, and he'll do uh, kind of what Joey does, like with that extreme title. We don't know. And for a while, it was being defended in scramble matches with AJ Gray for a little bit and Cole Radrick. Or it could be just one on one quote-unquote death matches jimmy could do that as well so like i think jimmy fits perfectly into what they want or what they're expecting from the extreme title i don't know like that's still something we don't know um from the extreme title i still gotta go back and listen to their podcast i forgot 
uh, there was one question I wanted to ask, and I never did when they just did this one. And I'm making a note of it right now. The ask to ask, hey, what in your definition, Brett, is the is the difference between the extreme and ultraviolet titles? You know what? Someone's asked that before, and he kind of shook that answer off by saying, well, we don't have the one title right now. It's in Janela's car. Remember yeah. That? That yeah, but now you say it's back. Answered, and you're right. Now it's back. So what the fuck? Oh, he has to answer it, to it. Yeah. But you know like, it's worth it's convenient. <laughs> It's no well, you know what though we've we've said it the whole time as super fans we're like maybe those should go together so that one could go to a different. Well, just like the last two times, like that question, I think I've asked him maybe even like, hey, now that the extreme title's lost, can we get the scramble belt? Oh no, well, we found the extreme belt. Okay, cool. What's the difference between extreme and ultraviolet? Well, we don't have the extreme belt, so we don't got to worry about that, do we? It's like. You're like it's just like it's on a convenient excuses to kind of like avoid the answering the difference and just kind of explaining to us. But I think Jimmy, for the what I believe the extreme title kind of represents, I think he would be a perfect uh, title holder for the extreme title. And to think, kind of get yeah. the fans back into it, that would be nice. Because I don't know how they're going to reintroduce it. Like it worked for PCO when he brought back the extreme title because we just haven't seen it in, in like a couple of years. That right. made perfect sense. But I mean, like we've just seen this one couple couple months ago. We know the title worker Joey still the title. Like it's not like we haven't seen Joey in a while. So I don't know how they're going to reintroduce it back to make it. I think they have to. Like the next time we see it, it has to be a new champion. Is what I think that needs to happen just to show, like, hey, we haven't forgot about this belt. Here's a new champion. We're going to do something with it. Don't, like, don't worry. Because if Joey just comes back and I'm the extreme champion, here's that belt I haven't defended in months. And, oh, I win. Cool. Like, who Hmm. cares? Joey won. We we don't really care that you're the champion because you haven't been wearing it or even representing it. So, like, no one will care about it. Wow. I don't know. That's just my booking on the. No, no, no. Well, I would say that booking has to clash all the time. All right, we're going to have a hardcore match. All right, we're going to have a hardcore match with Glass. That uh, Still working on it, and um, I don't know. Maybe there was just ambition to have a lot more hardcore, violent shit, and then one day it just changed up. And if Joey has the belt, like so Brett said... How come it hasn't even been? He hasn't even worn it in like these last couple of shows that he's been on since then too. I don't know. There could be a reason. There could be a reason. Yes, 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 yes. It could be melted down and it, being put in like I don't know. Could be made into a cup. I like that belt though. I actually kind of like the way that belt looked. <laughs> Dude, all the belts GCW have are so fucking heavy too. I love that. Oh my god! So my friend uh, in. He went to the JCW show. He he goes to a lot of the shows out there in AC area. He uh, got to hold the JCW title for the first time, and he like texted like the group chat, like, holy shit, that's heavy. I'm like, that's the heaviest belt I've ever held in my life. And I haven't held much belts, but that belt is the heaviest I've ever held in any belts. Yeah, Cole's. It was not as heavy as when I had Cole's belt. His uh, Extreme belt? His extreme, yeah, the extreme belt, it was... Ooh, that extreme belt was heavy. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, fans, I keep forgetting. We keep getting off subject <laughs> yeah, right. in a beautiful way. Fans were loving all of this match. Respect was shown by everybody everybody afterwards. They worked their asses off, and they put on a great number two match. Yes, I enjoyed it. SAT delivered, as always, and Wasted Youth continue their growth, and Jerry Lloyd continues building that momentum, picking up the victory for Team Wasted Youth and Jimbo. Our third matchup of the evening. Okay. Let's see if I can remember this. How 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 I got to what it ended up turning into. 
actually, you know what? I'll let you do it. Uh, well, third match of the evening is didn't go quite as planned, and uh, <laughs> some uh, adjustments were made, and I kind of don't want to spoil it by saying over because then I know you got all, it all written down there. So we'll get into the three-way match here in a minute. Okie doke. So we start with the entrances. The weapon of sass destruction. Effie comes out first. I've never called him that before. I just want to know. <laughs> okay, hold on. There, there we go. That's going on on TikTok. The weapon of sass destruction. Oh no, that's, that's been said one. before. That's been said before. It has. I never heard it. I, I think earlier in his career, that was oh, one okay. of the ones. Yeah, I had to pull that one out of my pocket. Though, that was a good I don't one. know. So uh, yeah, next month should be nine years in the business for uh, Effie. He's going to be clocking in 10 years here down the road. I'm really hoping he does something special for that. Maybe a celebration show. Kind of cool. So Elton John plays across the speakers with that beautiful, familiar sound. Band starts singing like they're under hypnosis. We get the smiling, happy Effie in his pink spiked leather jacket. Effie grabs a mic. He asks everyone to give it up for MLJ, which we do. We love our MLJ. Effie chants as Effie tries to speak. No lie. I'm just going to say it on, I'm guessing it's on the audio side. A lot of what he was trying to say was hard to understand. It wasn't his fault for sure. Something with the audio. But I do know that he said Hartford is as gay as he is. And that ended up being a Hartford's gay chant. He also plugs Effie's big gay brunch and then says he wants to fight in Hartford. And out of nowhere, Murdoch answers that call. So Murdoch was celebrating 20 years in the ring in 2023, and he's only 34 years old. So feel free to do that math. He's another kind of monster that should be respected for his level of pain tolerance from injury all the way to the healing process. And um, I cannot say that without any more emphasis, respect how tough that dude is. But yeah, him and Effie start going at it. Murdoch is obviously in the heel role. I was unsure if a bell had even been rung. Cole comes out then to save Effie. The fans erupt as Cole buries punches into Murdoch's head. The bell rings finally, and the match has now been considered a three-way. So ML announces it, and off we go. Also, just kind of a sidebar here. This level of booking allows for a feeling of unpredictability that makes fans feel like they're getting something special. It feels rowdy. It's less like a show, more like a fight. It's the punk slash party atmosphere that Brett originally wanted at a GCW show. I, that's another thing. I cannot say it enough. If he wanted that party kind of punk atmosphere, the way to bring it is a fight fuck interrupts. That's just how it went down. Murdoch comes in and boom. Then all of a sudden here comes Cole. Boom. Guess what? We got a three-way. Fans go crazy because they just got something that they felt like they were treated. And hell, probably Murdoch's partner just didn't show, you know, his opponent didn't show up that night. So they had to put him in another one. And boom, surprise. And this surprise thing works every single time. Yeah, see, that's what I was trying to look up while you are going over there. Because, like, that's why I had trouble at the beginning uh, announcing the match. Because it was – Effie was not announced. The announce was – Cole versus John Wayne Murdoch 
But I don't. I couldn't catch on commentary too. I don't think like Fe was even booked for this card. Like I, I was looking at the posters and he, I didn't see any Fe was supposed to go against somebody. So as you said, it felt like a spontaneous on the spot kind of like, hey, Fe's want this match. And like when John Wade came out, I was like, oh shit, Cole got hurt then. Like that's who I thought. As you said, maybe someone right. got hurt or someone didn't make the show for travel issues or whatnot. I was like, oh shit, Cole got hurt. That sucks. Then when Cole came out, I was like, oh shit, like he's here. Like they're just gonna make this a three. Way I'm all for that. That's cool because it was, as you said, unexpected, unannounced, and it felt like something real was going down. Like there really was some beef between uh John Wayne Murdoch and Effie, but they've also kind of had a little matches here. That was it, Effie, like right after John Wayne Murdoch won. Um, what did he win last year? Was the TOS last year? I think he won. No, Drew Parker, uh, he won Nick Edge, NGI, yeah. And then the next show, John Wayne Murdoch lost to Effie. Like <laughs> right after like winning the tournament, he lost to Effie in his first match. I remember talking like, "What was the like?" That was a surprise because like John just won and like had all this momentum, and Effie with the surprise win didn't make sense. So like, it I that's where I my thought was immediately, and then Cole came out and I was like, "Cool, hmm. we're gonna have this match anyway, just with Effie involved." And they all like add. Uh, interactions that made sense of why this happened. It wasn't just like, oh, John Wayne's just pissed that Effie's taking his time. That could be another reason too, but like they had history. So I thought it was very cool seeing it. And the, the way you worded it was cool. It felt like spontaneous. It was like, yeah, uh, like, oh shit, like this is not planned. This is some real, this is going down and trying to, uh, me trying to decipher it in my head, like trying to figure out like, hey, what the hell was they thinking going <laughs> on here? It was fun. It was super fun thinking that. So, okay, this will be fun maybe down the road one day, but you know, let's just say Murdoch and Effie get into it. The bell rings. It's now one-on-one. Then all of a sudden, Cole would have come in, and then Emma would have got on and been like, this is officially a three-way. Tell me it wouldn't have been funny if someone else would have entered the ring. And then Emma gets back on the mic and goes, Lauderdale has now said, this is now a four-way, and uh, people go nuts and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it would have been a great way to just – anyway, though, see, here I am where I'm just, like, trying to add something extra on top of something already great. I need to and be some- reviewing instead of creatively <laughs> trying to make things happen. Well, something similar like that has happened. I think it was in the LA show. It was like a four-way scramble, and then like they added a surprise, and it was like like Emma was like walking out of the ring, and then oh shit, we hear music, and it was J. Uh, I think it was Alley Catch that came out, or no, it was JTG that came out, and like oh JTG's in this scramble, then like. And was rocking out, and like right before he walks out, Alley Catch's music started playing, and Alley Catch yep. came out, and she got a big reaction. I love that. Uh, yeah, like the spontaneous, the cool surprise moments. Like that's why we watch wrestling is to be entertained and surprised. And uh, I thought I'd like that little wrinkle in this uh, heading into this match, and the way it started off was cool. Well, entertaining and probably surprising to Cole's girlfriend. Effie kisses Cole, and Cole even puts his little foot in the air. All cute, like it was <laughs> kind of funny. Another spot I wanted to mention: Cole with, I believe it's called the Kahada. Not really a hundred percent, but it was an awesome fucking move. Murdoch is just basically being a distraction in this match and a pain in the ass to the flow of this match. Like everything, he's like the rock underneath your foot as you're just trying to walk barefoot across a floor somewhere. He's the Lego. That's what it is. <laughs> Murdoch's the fucking Lego. Um, but yeah, it's like him in this match was like a bad apple making the apple juice taste like shit. Like all the other apples in it were fantastic. But there's one spoiled ass apple. <laughs> Doors and chairs were flying in at the two minute mark. We even had door chants going on. 
there was a nice spot with Cole. He hit this running cannonball onto a seated Effie on the floor. It's happened a hundred times, but this one was extra cannonball-y. Murdoch's new style is to be a brutal dick who is unafraid and relentless on his opponent. Good booking could make him dangerous, and the boos were heavy on him. So there's not much left to put him completely over. Effie's feeling the crowd. He's playing to them some, and that's always fun. You could tell he was in a crowd-pleasing mode. Again, here we go. Cold chance over and over. Like, I'm almost tired of calling all the chance because there were just that many. And I mean that in such a good way. There was a door bridge at minute six. Murak brings in the door. Fans cheer. He takes it out. Fans boo. He brings it in back and forth, back and forth as the fans boo and cheer. Uh, he goes to build a door bridge and it kind of doesn't happen at first. The fans start riding his ass and telling him you fucked up. So another spot here on the top rope, Murdoch with a deep South destroyer on Cole that put him through that door bridge. And then I'll just go into the ending here. The ending was Effie. He hit a sack rider on Cole. Then he turned it into an under the rainbow. He goes for the cover. Murdoch then slams Effie in the back with a huge chunk of door. Effie is then thrown out of the ring, leaving Cole and Murdoch alone. Murdoch with a huge brain buster onto a chair, and he covers Cole for three. So our winner in this one, John Wayne Murdoch. My opinion, it, it was a brutal match that squeezed in everything under nine minutes. Yeah, I enjoyed this uh, spontaneous matchup. Uh, as you were saying that, John Wayne Murdoch, I think, as a when his character is working perfectly, when I actually enjoy watching him and booing the fucking shit out of him, is when he is working as a heel and using the kind of like when he was doing without Alex like, hey, we're not giving the fans what they want in this bullshit. They paid to see me, and I'm here, and I'm the real show. Like he does good at that cocky heel where he needs all the attention and to like spoil shit from the fans of. Uh, anything happening good for the fans like i really like when he's like that and one person i would put him with now to kind of be like a uh ultraviolet mercenary charles mm-hmm. mason hey i don't want to fucking go through that deathmatch shit you go through it for me john wayne like go ahead and go do that shit oh like, okay now i get it yeah that kind of like hey like that's that's that match is gonna be a little too violent for me you go on and do this like it kind of could work out like he like pays him and as the hard-working deathmatch wrestler but i'm like the high rich new york guy i don't know i was thinking like when that the whole match was happening. I was like, John Wayne would be like a good little mercenary for uh, for uh, Mason. I enjoyed this match though. I thought each one was good. And Cole, like, I, I was kind of hoping Cole would get the victory. I thought he would. He needed another little victory, but Murdoch, with the way he got it, was kind of kind of perfect too in throwing Effie out of the ring and stealing the victory. Yeah, I, I think people need to appreciate uh, Murdoch just a little more. Think about it this way: you put him in a tournament. It's guaranteed he's getting through at least the first and second rounds half the time. Like, he goes deep in any tournament he's in. If he's on a show, someone's fucking bleeding. Like, it's just, it's it's really stuff that, you know, you need to look out for because I can tell you, he would probably do two shows this weekend, turn around and do another couple shows before he even goes home. Like, dude's a workhorse. And um, I feel for him because to have that much pain constantly is just rough but pays the bills yeah so i've i'm gonna say it and i've said it a hundred times and you're gonna hear me say it more the fans were making this show the booking fantastic card card was put out nicely but the fans made it really special that will lead us into our fourth matchup of the evening as 
It is Joey Janela going against, as I mentioned, Charles Mason. And the grudge match is finally happening. And this was a match I was able to see Charles. They, I, I don't know. I just want to see Charles Mason, how he is. His character work is way better in GCW than it, I think it is in House of Glory. I think like his in-ring is more is better in House of Glory than it is in GCW. I kind of want to find a little bit more of a better mix of the wrestling in GCW because he has some really good, fun matches in House of Glory with some big names that I've always enjoyed. And then when he gets to GCW, kind of just he turns into the brawler slash I'm going to like work in the fans, which is perfect for his character. I just wish he was able to show off a little bit more of his in-ring work, but he did a little bit more in this match against Joey, which is a perfect opponent for him to kind of showcase some more of his talent with uh um that in front of gcw fans yep i'll keep saying it more and more that dude is awesome i like mason i know he's playing the asshole here i know he does it all the time but dude puts in serious work i'll I'll actually funny thing we'll get into the notes a little bit further uh later about that one too so out first the root of all evil charles mason from the house of glory his trainer amazing red god we may have something here so he comes out, he's accompanied by his muscle, Pero. Pero is a fucking beast. They pose together where Pero is directly behind Mason on the hard cam, and it looks really good. It creates a good image. Also, it says a lot. It shows that he always has Mason's back, you know? So Janela out next. He hits his entrance. Pero is in the ring staring him down. Joey chants over and over throughout the crowd for a good chunk of this match. So the tone was set from the beginning with a collar and elbow tie-up that got a little too personal between the two. I don't know if you could tell, but it was a little shovey and um, a little. I think that was perfect. Then it, sh- it it's it was, again set the tone. Yep. I think it was the way it really should have been. I also never want to take away from Mason's speed. If you really pay attention, dude, when he has a chance, can really get going. Um, fuck him up, Joey. Fuck him up, Chance. Um, another side thought. I feel like Joey's a great big brother wrestling-wise, and I would love to see him lay into someone to protect a younger sibling. I don't know if that's ever happened. But I mean, I kind of like, feel that way whenever time he runs in to like save whoever Mason or Peros right. like jump in. It seems like he's always the one that does the run in to kind of save. And it's not just like those two. Like whenever there's any kind of attack, like Joey's kind of usually the first time I think about that would be running in to kind of make the save and as he says saving my promotion and this is kind of like my heart and soul as you said big brother taking ownership of it so uh, oh man three minutes into this match and i could pretty much i was sold that they don't like each other and it's going to be a dirty brawl so they already had me you know hooked from that moment on peril was always looming at ringside trying to get into joey's head Still, again, Joey Chance being the constant. There was a nice spot with Pero being an ass and choking Joey when the ref wasn't looking, like old school heat stuff. Uh, I, I won't go on it too long, and I do mention this quite a bit, but I'm still surprised Mason hasn't been picked up by WWE or AEW. He's got a great look, good promos, in-ring work is solid. If it's like if it's not there, it will be in a few years because it just feels like he's really putting everything together as he should. And that's why I'm hoping GCW takes advantage of this because I think he's going to be on his way in a couple it, a couple years would be short. Like, um, I'm sorry, a couple oh, years would be too long. Yeah. 
this guy could be called up almost immediately. And I could see where a veteran from who knows where could take him under his wing and really teach him some things. But I've, I've been, I am sorry to interrupt. I've like, said, no, no, no. I've always I've been, been a fan of Mason and I, I'm shocked too. Like, I think he's got the look, he's got his character. I just, I, I think his in-rings kind of like he overlooked upon where he actually is really good uh, in the ring. And I, I'm shocked too. He hasn't been, even if it, um, like MLW kind of even sounds like a perfect one for him to kind of grow or even impact to kind of grow before those names, just because I think at this time, I think he just has to grow a little bit more um, in popularity uh, throughout the, ma- like the mainstream mm-hmm. kind of masses. But I know like everywhere, everywhere in independent, they all know him and he's killing it everywhere. I just think he just needs to slowly build that name instead of jumping there. But I could definitely see him working there easily. <laughs> So something funny that I was, I put in my notes, but I was going to take it out, but I kind of left it in because it was funny. I put in here, good job by Pero for only getting involved sporadically in the match. And then after that, uh, Pero did interfere again uh, a little bit later. Uh, Joey and Mason went outside, but only for a moment. And Pero ended up eating a Janela Centon. Pero then starts throwing chairs in the ring because he's a little pissed off about that. Mason then builds a door bridge. Uh, another spot here where Mason was choking Janela, and then Joey was on the door. Mason goes up to jump. Janela comes back, goes up, and nails an avalanche brain buster through the door. Somehow, Charles kicks out at two. Pero is now in the ring. He is, <laughs> he's not staying uh, silent for very long. He hits a sit-down powerbomb on Janela, and... Um, that brings us into our ending here. Minute 14, Joey has Perro's chain in his hand. Mason takes the chain and tombstone pile driver on Janela. He covers Joey for three. So our winner here in this one, Charles Mason. I'll take it. I'll take it. It wasn't terrible. I, I'm not going to cry. And I was just happy to see him both there. I like Perro. I like Mason. Yeah, I think I'm glad to see keep on seeing Perro back in. He's, he's doing some fun work and then like, being the medicine uh, bodyguard of Mason, but also doing the fun stuff with like Yoshihiku the next night at JCW. Like Caparo's like fitting in perfect with GCW. As I kind of like, we both said like he kind of would once we first saw him. It's like that's a good pairing, and he's clicked. Yeah. him. and I'm glad to see him every time I see him because he's is every time I see him like it seems like he is showing more and more to me. Even though it's not really in ring work, but his character and like how he's uh, carries himself, it's been enjoyable to watch uh, his time in GCW. Yeah, this is one of the hosses we fell in love with. Or at least I did. <laughs> no, I like. I've always liked him too. No, I like him too. That's why when I first saw Peril, I'm like, it's Peril. Like nobody knew who it was. I'm like, oh come on, people around me. <laughs> this is a good, perfect pairing for this matchup. Oh man. Well, yeah, the booze after the match were great. The fans weren't happy, and that's what it's all about. Hopefully, that doesn't take away from the match that they put on. I'm going to tell you this has happened before, you know, 20 minutes and then the ending's fucked up and they're like, oh, what a terrible match. And I was like, well, no, the, the ending was terrible. The 20 minute match was fucking awesome. Yeah. So this is one of those ones where I think that the fuckery really, you know, people look at that and they boo, but they should be really happy. It was an awesome fucking match. So Joey was being choked out by Pero. Music hits. I'm like, who in the fuck is this? Out comes Justin Credible. ECW's Justin Credible. He has a kendo stick and he enters the ring. 
So he goes to swing on Mason. Mason ducks, and Pero eats the shot on his shoulder, neck, and like face hair. Like the whole thing just boom. The kendo stick automatically exploded on him. I don't know if I've ever really seen something like that before. <laughs> it looked fantastic. Justin keeps swinging anyway. With every swing, the kendo is just shredding into splinters. It looks like just toothpicks just flying off of him. Um, Pero finally went down. In the end, both bad guys run off as Justin Credible stands strong. Then he has the ring to himself. He stands there with what was left of, uh, no, I think the kendo stick was gone by that point. Huge chance from uh, the crowd for just incredible as he drops to his knees and gives thanks. The man was truly thankful too. Joey gets in the ring and they celebrate together. Something I noticed that we hopefully don't take for granted is the special ride we're going on as fans at GCW. If you look at all the talent coming in or wanting to come in and perform with them and you can see, especially with uh, with Just Incredible, he was so thankful. You can just see it, like, and um, we need to take it in because we've seen quite a few performers come to the ring for GCW just for a run in or something, and you can tell when they get in there, they light up like they just take it all in. Just Incredible, I watched him be like, "This is a moment I need to take in again," and that's that's what it felt like to me. He got up on the ropes, he did all of his, you know, everything. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, I always get happy when I see any talent, like big name, like Zack Sabre Jr., uh, Suzuki, uh, the old school, Sabu, Taz, Kevin Nash. No, not Taz. Um, just incredible. I don't know why I said Taz. Uh, Kevin Nash. Like, seeing all the names. Like, well, he looks like Taz choose. now. No, dude, I didn't know <laughs> I him at first. I'm like, wow. But yeah, he's a bigger guy now. Well, see, that's the thing, though. You get out of the industry and whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and then from there, if you're not really moving too much, and you know, you start taking in carbs and stuff that you normally wouldn't. I mean, just like John Cena, he does not look like the John Cena we know now. It's just dietary and, you know, exercising regimens change. Yeah. I just like seeing all the new names choose GCW and, uh, like even like later on uh utami like choosing to come to gcw and other places i think that's like like it just feels cool like hey we're like they're choosing us they're choosing us as like the right. fan base to be around the crazy fans like and i think will osprey said it perfectly like yeah i always knew you guys were crazy i wanted to check you out but holy fuck i didn't know you guys were this crazy and i think that was so cool here and it's like yeah like hopefully other names come and like now we're like in zach saber jr I, I just love seeing the big names choose to come to gcw and the newest name now, Jeff Hardy. Like, holy shit, Jeff Hardy. Even if it's just for a fucking appearance, that's just awesome. He's willing to right? show up and make an appearance for GCW, even though he's not wrestling, uh, to put his name out there. I, th- I just think it's cool, and it helps the brand out tremendously, I think, as well. I want to see how Twitter reacts to that concert he puts on afterwards. Just curious. Oh, yeah. Just curious. I don't I don't, I don't know how it's going to go. I'm just curious. Um. I was still loving that the cleanup was being sponsored by GCWmerch.com. <laughs> I, I have to still mention that. I thought it was cute. Um, I also like seeing the list of future live shows that always come up. It's just, I like to see something. Thank you so much for putting that on there because like I always sometimes take a picture with my phone cause I'm a dumbass and never look on Twitter. So. Yeah. We like that too. So that way we could update the calendar for the, for like the, the podcast uh, website, like they keeps an updated calendar. So like that, I never have to like, Hey, when's this show? And I have to try to search it and find it on the Twitter because it's like impossible. Cause they don't ever keep it up there. But now I just have to pop up my calendar and look at it. Um, 
I now actually kind of get nervous when I look at it because then I start counting. I'm like, okay, we got one, two, three left. Three more shows left to do uh, this month. <laughs> like, I start counting the mm-hmm. shows that we're going to have to do. And like, oh, fuck. But I, I, I do like it as well. We can Especially always. In all those. Sorry, just, I was just going to say all the foreign countries like Germany, Australia, or not Australia, Japan coming up and stuff. It's been kind of crazy to see them just going and going and going. And fucking going. Right. Yeah, the Japanese shows especially. It looks like a couple of them are going to be smaller shows. So yeah. I'm not expecting too much out of those uh, notes-wise or show-wise, but who knows? You never know. I'm uh, expecting June Kasai. That's all. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. I keep thinking about this House of Glory thing, man. I don't want to go back on it too much, but we either we have something here. I'm telling you, that's that's a that's a big thing if it's handled right. It could be, yeah. All the cool things that could be done, especially with Cardona being their champion now too. I wonder if that belt shows up here. Like maybe since he's always like you know he's always taking our side, like GCW fans, right? Or just DC. He's always protective of GCW. Like as you were kind of mentioning, like all the discourse and stuff, like that's been going on. Like Matt Cardona is the first one to kind of step up and like, no, I'm fucking back there, guys. Like that's just not happening. Stop lying. GCW's fine. Like he always defends right. us. So I, it would be kind of cool if he did bring like the House of Glory belt onto GCW, and, like it threw it in the trash or did something and brought out like his new hog internet championship belt or something like that. It would be kind of cool. The crossover with Cardona choosing us, but that would never happen. Storyline. There's a lot there. If, uh, well, I fingers crossed he gets our title sometime soon. I yes. want the championship on him. I'm so sorry, but I mean, I don't know who's got taken off, but I need to see that title on him. He just, he gets so much heat from the fans. Oh yeah. So much. And you know, he'll now, be taking that belt all over the place too. That's, that's part of it. That's part of it. Um, he also looks like a, a wrestler. No shit. I'm that's yeah. not against anybody. He looks like an old fashioned polished wrestler. He's got the tan. He's got the smile. He's over six foot tall. You know, all the old school mm-hmm. things that, you know, you'd get from the WWE days, WWF yeah. days. He looks like what everybody remembered a wrestler looking like growing up. So I think that's helpful. Uh, yes, that's all I have to say. I'm, I'm all like, uh, yeah. anyway, like I said, I'm a little tired and I'm trying to get through it. <laughs> Christ, man. Um, I'm not allowed to have coffee or tea, by the way. So if anybody asks, why isn't he like loading up? I'm not allowed to have it. I could use it. I need got, crack. He's got I other that, uh, caffeine he's got. <laughs> yeah, I need that backstage GCW crack that everybody Gosh. talks about, right? <laughs> we can we can talk about this shit. It's you know, somebody basically said that 70 or 70, like it was just somebody being a dumbass. They weren't really they said they're all this and they're all that. Now I can say it on our show, and I don't ever publicly. I've, I've, no, no. But get, it's funny. His, no, his well, pin, these are that, weed people. You don't. Go ahead. That, go ahead. That pin tweet that he has too. That guy that wants to talk all this shit on GCW. The one tweet he wants to show off to everybody is him at a fucking GCW show supporting Charles Mason. Like, yeah. I just don't understand. Like, if like it or don't like, just don't like. You can't shit on something and like sit there and promote all the good things about it all the time. Like, oh, I love this. Look at this. Is I want the whole world to see this, and I'm gonna shit on it on Twitter and talk shit behind yeah. it back. It's like, oh, something, I hate that. Something touched his feelings, and that's okay. Every everybody has I saw, feelings. Yeah, I saw, but, saw a couple dumb things on wrestling Twitter the last couple. No, days. I'm just saying, if I had to be held in court, a hundred percent, 
I have never seen anything back anywhere outside of weed. Like even seeing, I don't even know if I've really ever seen even beer or alcohol. Like it's just rare. These people aren't really getting impaired impaired at all. Like, okay. Think yeah, because they got like so many there's your drinkers, shows. there's your weed people, you know, there's your drinker, there's your stoners, there's your, you know what I mean? And then there's your kids that are out there on the, you know, <laughs> you can, anyway, I was going to say there's, yeah, God, I can't talk the way I want to talk some days. There's your circle six kids, you know, there's the ones that are out there on the, you know, the way out there. Uh, there's a couple other companies that are way out there, but um, you kind of know they stay within their own you know, thing. Uh, I mean, I'm talking for those of those who do, for those who do anything, I'm telling you, it's only been weed that I have ever, I mean, I can at my house behind here, over here at this facility, over there at the hotel and weed, never, never anything else. And I live in a legal state. So I can say whatever they were doing here was also legal. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, I've been to shows in other states, dude. Never a problem. Never seen anything. I mean, no. I mean, I don't know how much my word is good. And of course, we do a podcast, but I've been in a place where I could see all kinds of never. Nope. Never. Quite a few of them that you think would be party people aren't. Yeah. No shit. Like so, yeah. Some of the people ones are surprise, surprise exactly. <laughs> uh, a couple of people I was like kind of surprised that like, oh no, we're good. Uh, I don't do that. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, I, I'm shocked yes. to hear yes. that. But yeah, I've never had any any bad anything backstage or like when I bring my son to the shows, and I never had anything where I felt not safe or hey, like we sh- no. I shouldn't be supporting these people. Like, no, like it's they don't even have time to do that. Like. You know what it's like in LA. You, you smell LA, weed. Yeah, yeah. LA is just weed. And, like, then, you, and then you just see uh, everything else on the people that get tossed out. <laughs> All the stuff oh. that they want to accuse GCW of. I actually do have a story for you, and I'll even take the person's email because there's no reason to. One time, I had had a wisdom teeth, a wisdom tooth taken out, and I thought, well, I'd be cool. One of the guys was just in a death match, and I'm like, hey. I have these left over. Would you like like one of these pills or something? And the person said, you know what? If that's your thing, fine, but I'm not into that. I won't tell you who it is, nothing like that, but I can tell you 100%, no, no. I've been in a place where I would be able to give them uh, something like that was left over from my teeth because I'm not a pill person. I'm not a, no, no, you damn, you really, I, not damn near, I couldn't give them away if I wanted to. They're not those, they're not, it's weed. It's weed, and that seems to be it. And it I'm just, in a position where I could say, uh, no, hell no, fuck no. And I could be honest on my own little podcast with, with us here. Like, we can say it. No. It's just the fans that just want to find something to shit on, and they always think GCW is the easiest one to shit on. And it's like, no, like, I hate hearing these stories. Like, half the time, I just keep, well, not 90% of the time, I just keep my mouth shut because I don't want to get into any stupid fucking arguments with people that don't know what they're fucking talking about online and yeah 
But here in like Cardona, who's been around everywhere, sitting there, and he's going to be the first one to defend it. And all the other people that I know are pretty good people. I, from what I've gathered and what I've interacted with, like no, like all these people have good morals and good, not good morals, but they got the good intentions behind everything. They're not going to, as people said, there's kids in there. Like there was Nick Wayne, Billy Starks, Brett's bringing his fucking kids now and all over the place. Like they're not going to be doing all that shit right in front of a bunch of kids and everything else. And I'm just Hell glad no. to see the people stand up and defend and GCW's name that are actually in the know-how and have a good reputation behind them that has gives their word more validity than like let's say my word as as you said a fan a podcaster and yeah like hanging out with some of them before and after shows and stuff like that it's like I can only speak on what I've seen and like there I've never seen or even heard of any of that shit or any crazy stories anything like that so uh I just hate it just to me just disgruntled fans that want to find something to bitch about and they GCW is the low hanging fruit that they all find something to bitch about, and it's fucking, it's just annoying. And that's why I don't even know. Actually, uh, uh, I was actually following two people this week, I think, because they followed the podcast or followed me on the like on the podcast. And I actually like unfollow them because like some of the shit that they were saying is like, what are you like? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Just doesn't yeah. make any sense. All right. Should we get back to action here? <laughs> Yeah, 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 I think we should do that. <laughs> All right. Our fifth matchup of the evening is an intriguing one, as it is the GCW World Title match as the champion Blake Christian defends it against Richard Holiday, who's making, I believe it was his GCW debut. I'm not 100% certain, but I was super glad to see him in the ring. He looked fucking just as good as he did before his time off, uh, before the, the, the cancer, and he took time off to deal with that he looked really good he's an incredible yes. talent from mlw i've never really seen him there i think i've seen him maybe like one or two other independent shows i could be uh could be mistaken but i've seen him on mlw and he's awesome he's a great character he's got the look he's got he's got the package like it's he's already set he's stone and i'm glad he used kind of like gcw as again, another person that used gcw as a warm-up possibly to maybe further go to a bigger company and further their career. But first matchup against Blake Christian and GCW, Richard holiday, I think uh, stood out and showed uh, he's back. <laughs> That's what my whole thing. My, my big notes was Richard holiday. He's back. He looked good. Wow. That's a good way to put it. So here's what I have to say about quote unquote, the most marketable man in wrestling, Richard holiday. He is from New Haven, Connecticut. So he's another hometown athlete in this show. I like his music and appearance. Good looking athlete. Seven years experience in ring. Cancer survivor. He came back in June, which I think is fantastic. I'm a cancer survivor too, dude. Hell yes. Good for him. He grabs that microphone, says he can't believe he is in a GCW ring. And he has nothing but thankfulness. Love it. Here's where I'm going to say, because it took me a minute. He reminds me of Alex Coughlin. I don't know why. I don't know how. Maybe it's just the way they look. I I don't know. But he reminds me of Coughlin, man. Yeah, the, the physique, the, the whole nine. I don't know. I, guess I see it. I, you know, he's like, eh, maybe. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, just, I, the, on the way the body looks, yes. I think just like everything else, like, no, but right, uh, right. The, the way the body, lo- like the way he kind of carried himself and presents himself kind of does like with the, the just a s- deceptively strong, like how he really is, like doesn't look as strong as you, but like Alex Kopp, like he looks big, but like he could, as he does those suplexes from sin- the sitting position, yeah. like that's yeah. deceptively strong. He doesn't look like someone that could do that. That's how I kind of 
what picture similarities between Alex and Richard? I think they both are, um, they both look like strongmen from the 1920s. Yeah, that, that, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. That's the best way I can put it. Um, I like it. No, but um, yeah, Blake, here we go. He comes out next. People hate him, but I see just a little Will Ospreay. Don't, don't, don't hate me on that one, but I'm just going to say that's kind of how I felt. He puts over Holiday a little. Uh, we get Holiday chance again. Says he tips his hat to Holiday, which was very um, unhealish by Blake. But I can tell here Blake is doing great mic work, but I can't hear everything again. But if this is an indicator of his mic work, then he's turning it around and it does sound much better. Blake's entrance can't even be started before Christian blindsides Holiday. And that is how we started our match. We went outside immediately and Holiday goes through several rows of chairs, which births tons of EC. Huh. GCW chance. <laughs> Here we go there. The bell finally rings. A switch is flipped in Holiday, and he catches Blake by surprise. There was a nice spot where Holiday has a torture rack, which is kind of rare to see these days, the old Luger torture rack. Less than two minutes in, and I can tell Holiday is a solid performer. That was literally all it took. Several times, Blake goes to perform a specific move and doesn't, and fans can't fucking stand that. You'll have to go back and literally watch, but he goes for a roll-up, and then yeah. So I heard someone say, you suck and you're ugly too. What a fantastic, simple fucking chant. <laughs> I, I don't know who said it, but they were having a good time. Uh, six minutes in and the match has been a solid back and forth with Blake in control about 70% of the time. I keep realizing how much Blake's heel persona has grown in the last few months. There's a nice spot where Blake runs from the stage, jumps on the rope, springboard 450 onto Holiday. Holiday still kicks out at two. This still brings out even more Holiday chants. They were loving him there. Holiday then with his own little spot, he hit an avalanche 2008. Blake then grabs his belt and he tries to leave the ring. He wanted to go home so bad after that avalanche 2008. Holiday catches him. The next spot that I have to mention here is a spot where Blake goes to use the belt as a weapon and hits the referee instead. The guy booking is something that is good enough to have been book. No, wait, I wrote, I missed a word here. What I meant to say was the good guy booking that was going on in this match was something that is good enough to have been booked for a major show. If you look at the drama in the last couple of minutes, that was mostly, you know, holidays doing, but that really could have been, that drama could have been used in a face match somewhere uh, for the championship title. But um, okay. So but, uh, blah, 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 blah. Let me see where I'm sitting at on here. Holiday was doing his honest face work until he kicks Blake in the dick at one point. He wakes up the ref, covers Blake, and he only gets two. The next spot here was a Blake low blow at minute 14 that changes the complete direction of the match. Christian with a curb stomp for the win. It was very abrupt. Our winner here, Blake Christian, he maintains his championship crown, I guess we'll call it. <laughs> kill me that was a rough set of notes i just had to read i think that um might have been one of uh blake's better title defenses too against richard holiday i'm glad he was able to have that match against a big name and uh have a great performance as he did that and gringo loca gringo was i think more special because it was also in chicago as well um mm -hmm. another home st home state challenger um but i was 
glad for this match. This one was good. This was like another like good barometer to see where Blake is. Like I said, Richard Holiday uh, has um, MLW experience and stuff like that. So seeing Blake against a name that's been on TV with a little bit higher prestige than his, I like seeing him step up to the challenge and he definitely carried himself like Blake belongs way more on Ring of Honor uh, TV just in general itself. And if we're not talking about GCW, um, because he holds his own against the these quote-unquote bigger names and bigger talents um he's I, I think he does better when the spotlight's on him to stand up and deliver a better performance like when he's fighting up a scale he delivers and this match is where i kind of uh saw that in motion okay so let's talk about something really cool the fans now know that curb stomp is a legit finisher for blake literally there were defeated boos as the one count was still being counted. That is a great sign that his work is sinking in with the crowd. Feel free to watch that one when you get a chance. Man, he hits that shit, and you can just hear the minute he rolls him up, people are like, boo. They knew the shit was over. Usually, I, I like have, that. I felt that on the low blow. Once I saw the low blow hit, I just saw the fans like, oh, again, this is how it's going to end. <laughs> Fantastic work, by the way. He did a damn good job there. So... I uh, I want to just mention here, I kept looking at that fucking awesome GCW sign because it's just on our damn screen the whole time. I'm wondering, is that ours or is that just something for the venue? I'm wondering. Huh, I don't know. Because I swear I've seen it somewhere else, like in San Francisco. That, that's the one place that, that I was about to say. The last place I think I've seen that banner, there was the blue one that we saw in San Francisco. That's that cool looking right. blue one. It was San, it was San Francisco. It was a good call. Good memory. Um, I I hope I hope we uh, stick with something like that. No, maybe not so bright because it looked like we were wrestling on the sun. But... At least it's something though, instead of like a Blake Fuck white yeah. wall, like you know. <laughs> Dude, um, with the screen capture on a hard cam, you're always going to get the words GCW in it. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I enjoyed this match. Uh, uh, I'll kind of maybe steal like your last note here, just because uh, that's the one last note I yes. wrote. And I was kind of yes. happy. Uh, Holiday uh, grabs a mic and says he's not done with GCW. He'll be back in a ring, and that made me happy. I was like, yes, it's not just a one and done deal. Like a hey, let me warm up and go sign with another company kind of thing. We're going to be seeing more of him because I'm glad. I think. It- he works more as a heel, but I think right now we got too many kind of heels doing similar actions. But I think his size and look and build mm-hmm. might be something that we could get behind and work and he can work now because he does his best work too as a heel. So I think maybe it's just a maybe refreshing his look and kind of give him a new kind of vibe of hey, like let's turn Richard into a marketable face for our company and use him kind of like think of like a big name face. Like what's the big name faces we have? Like that, or like oh, have God. the look that have the like Richard's look, like as you said, the kind of like the the TV look, the WWE, the six foot, the muscle, like he's got there that aren't. presentational look, there yeah, really exactly. Aren't many. And like him and Cardona would be a good feud having heel and face work with with those two names. Oh, hell GCW. yeah! Like I right when he said I could work in GCW, I in my mind put Richard as a he as a face and started thinking of all the cool heels he could start working with in GCW as a face and Cardona. Like that's the matchup that I want to see right now. It's Cardona, Richard, like have a back and forth on the mic. Even like he could hold his own on the mic with Cardona too. So like I wouldn't mind seeing a thirty-minute segment 
10 on the microphone and have him wrestle for 20 minutes something like that like i i don't know i want to see that feud and i'm so glad that holiday is going to be back in gcw i i very much enjoyed him being there and he looked like he belonged I, obviously like he looked like he really enjoyed himself and he stood out like to me he really stood yes. out as something special yeah, I just, I don't know what it is between him and Coughlin. I think it was just they both look polished and they both look like guys that you the would mustache. see from the 20s. It's the yeah. mustache. Yeah, they look like barbers that would kick your ass. Yeah, the, I mean, I I looked at dude, though, Holiday, and I'm just like, that dude is polished perfectly. Like, I just looked and I'm like, that is a TV-ready person right there. Like, that's... That's what I was. I was starting to be like, okay, what company is he from? What you know, because you can look at him and go, okay, he's been on TV somewhere because the tan is just right and the whole thing is, you know. He was kind of like the next big thing in MLW. Like after MJF left, he was like in MJF stable. Yeah, he was like kind of uh, not MJF's like side, like not muscle, but like he was kind of like being groomed with MJF, if I remember correctly. But he has, he's like the next. Uh, the next thing I think in wrestling and like the, I kind of was heartbroken when I heard about the cancer stuff, but I, I kind of felt like he was ready to move on from MLW to bigger and better things right around uh, that time as well. I don't know. I'm just happy with what the hell he did here. And if he says he's going to come back, then our tighter picture may have changed. Don't know how yet, but you know, the whole fucking tide changes. And here's the thing. When we started talking less than a year ago, we were saying how there were no fucking heels. What did we have at the time? We had Mason, right? And I think that was it. And he showed mm-hmm. up like once every four to six shows. Mason and Cardona. Then here came Deppin. Then here comes others. Then here comes more. So now the question is, we need to have faces being produced here. Where's other than Nick Gage. Other than Nick Gage. Where's the future? We have the future crawling everywhere. Pick one. Pick one for right now because, I mean, at this point, if GCW did a 25 and under show themselves, boy, oh, boy, could they really pull some talent for a tournament. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. After the title match, we had the intermission, and then we came back for our sixth matchup of the evening, which is a three-way tag match as Los Macisos. Go against the team of Waves and Curls, Jalen Brandon and Trayvon Jordan, going against Team Yokai, Janai Kai, and Yoya. And my big thing was Waves and Curls. I was so happy to see them back singing the song. Um, I was I was pumped. Uh, I was super excited to see Waves and Curls. That that's what made my night uh, was singing the song, and I was jamming. I was jamming in my chair as I was going. I was doing the same thing for um. Oh, one of the entrants earlier, I forgot to say, like, I was, like, doing the chant in my in my chair and stuff like that. Uh, this was, like I said, the audio was really good. Like, I heard the music really good in this show. And um, this was an interesting match just because I think the team Yokai was still involved. I'm always down to see Yokai. I love Janai Kai and Yoya, but this inserting those two into uh, Los Macisos and Waves and Curls just seemed kind of odd, but it all worked out. Um, it was This was an interesting three-way tag match, and uh, shit was all over the place. yeah that's a good way to put it with shit was all over the place um are you noticing by this point it's just been fast paced fast paced next match fast paced next match like the flow feels feels good i like the like the the flow of the three first three matches and then going into the effies uh thing like mm -hmm. i really enjoyed the flow of how this event was going as you said it was like it felt like there was no waiting it just kept on going and going 
Yeah, there was no Snorfests anywhere in here whatsoever. So Waves and Curls out first, one of your favorites, B. I also think it's one of the best names for a hair salon. I don't know why. Maybe I've even mentioned that before, but I think, yeah. I, it's I think gotta it's got to be a name out there too already. Dude, it's so got to be done. I even see like the design on the window. It just, it would be so <laughs> fucking cool. Uh, Trayvon is from Bridgeport, Connecticut. So he's the hometown guy, about one hour drive from Hartford. And Jalen is about an hour to an hour and a half away in Providence. So that kind of makes a little more sense on why Waves and Curls is here. So possibly, just possibly, fingers crossed, if we see GCW going to the Northwest, we may see that Waves and Curls may be on the card. Yokai both have martial arts background, and like you said there, uh, really interested to see what goes on with them. Uh, I think alone they're okay. There is a chance that Janai Kai could be booked as a killer. Yoya, he's entertaining, but... I don't, you know what I mean? I think we've seen a push out of him that went as far as I think the push was going to go. So I think, and this is just my personal opinion, I think getting him together with Janai and making that team really saved him uh, creatively so that where he could have a direction because he had the push, the push went as far as it was going to go, and then what? Yeah, they were you kind know, of so. building that matchup. I think it was with Ninja Mac and Yoya. I think it was in um, Bloodsport. I yes. thought that that's where they were building him up. And like, yeah, that was the most quote unquote build that most momentum I think Yoya's had. And as you said, it kind of after Bloodsport died, and then he became Manders's and Shane and Shane Mercer's the uh, throwing dummy. And like, who's gonna throw Yoya the farthest? And kind of became the joke. Remember, like the joke of, hey, it's a uh, don't. Was the, the don't throw yo-yo from backyard? What did Casey yeah. say last year? <laughs> yo-yo or yo-yo? More nice like to yo-yo. Nice to throw you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember what all the ones were, but I'm yeah, so with you though. I think there could be something. I think Janai Kai kind of has a bigger ceiling right now, just as you said. If they book her and as they continue to book her as the badass, and she's got the look and like the skill set to be the badass, and yo-yo is just kind of like there now. I think they should kind of do something with them with uh yo yeah to kind of reheat him up again yeah i don't i uh, okay personally don't kill me if there were a couple people that were on the chopping block as singles competitors both of them would be on there so that we could make room for you don't 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 hate me i'm just saying like yokai i think saved them both i'm really thinking about it now it really did save them both and if this doesn't work they're probably not going to find too much repackaging in gcw after that you know and i don't know um i don't know i don't i don't know how much merch yo-yo is selling he might be just selling like crazy i don't know any better that's possible and that's another thing too like why we might feel that way because we haven't yo-yo hasn't been put into positions to kind of show improvement rather than get others over like you, you Kind of like in the Spike Dudley kind of thing. Like, kind of that's what it feels like. He's not there to get himself over. He's there to get others over while looking cool, taking a chair shot from a big guy or being tossed out of the ring 10 rows deep. Um, where Janai Kai, I see improvement based off of her stuff in Japan. I forgot what company she's been working on in Japan, but you see, like, I see a different confidence in her and her skill set and the timing and everything's more well-rounded and, like, more where it should be. Than what it was when she left. So I, I see improvement in her. That's why I think she's got the higher ceiling where Yoya kind of just the momentum stopped. I don't see much improvement from Yoya. It just kind of seems like he's there 
to be a lawn dart to others. So I, I kind of feel like it's an unfortunate position they're both put in, but it is kind of also hard to book it when that's kind of been how they've been booking. They kind of booked themselves in a corner a little bit with the well, with the yo-yo. You choose, you choose your character. You choose your music. You choose your moveset. Sometimes it connects. Sometimes it doesn't. That's fine. I wasn't a big fan of, you know, Amazing Red, but, you know, I'm a big fan of The Undertaker. I, I like Yo-Yo when he, he was, was a shooter. Wasn't, way, that, but... wasn't that what he was called was Amazing Red, The Undertaker? Wasn't that his original in WCW? Oh, Mean uh, mean Mark Callis. Mean Mark. Oh, Jesus, because we were talking about Amazing <laughs> Red. Amazing Red, yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> like, are you thinking of Kane? Red Kane? Blue Kane? Purple Kane? Purple yeah, Kane? Blue Kane. Purple Kane That's was been the another best. one that got me. Purple Kane was the best. Someone did... The Prince album, Purple Rain, but put the cane mask <laughs> over it and painted it purple, purple cane instead of purple rain. That was the best one I've seen so far. Oh, my gosh. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, I really liked Yo-Yo when yeah. he was kind of like when I first saw him, he was like the shooter weight. He like it yes. kind of seemed like a uh, kind of like an oxymoron. Like, hey, like you got this little guy, but he's like like that little pit bull chihuahua that can bite your ankles off and can hold his own against a big fight uh, against a bigger opponent in a fight. So. I really liked it when he was that came coming out as a shooter weight, but we haven't really seen him kind of build or acted like that since then. All right. So after that, then we have Los Macisos, what I would consider the workhorses for GCW since 2017. Hugely popular with the crowd. The only year they weren't with us since 2017 was that COVID year of 2020. So they were home during that time. Waves and curls. Um, Chants were starting even before the match began. Also, oddly, I don't know if anyone really noticed, but Mieto was fighting in a jacket. So I, don't I know. think him and Ciclope are having contests between each other. Hey, who could wear the most clothing and keep it on throughout the whole match? Ciclope started up with the headset, and then now Mieto's got the the jacket, and then now uh, Ciclope's got the backpack too. So they're like one up in each yeah. other. <laughs> I'm like, who could wear the most shit throughout this whole match? I'm trying to figure out what that's all about. And I feel like it is kind of an inner thing because they're the only ones doing it. But he's like, okay, I'm going to be out in a jacket. And I mean, like that thing was stuffed because he had his gear on underneath and everything. It kind of looked like a blown up jacket, like the Letterman jacket in high school, just with a bunch of air in it. (laughs) Right? So the other thing I wanted to mention here, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, Trayvon is a big man. He was almost too big for this ring. It looked great. I'm a big man fan. Fantastic. Nice little spot here. I'd like to mention Tope Confetti by Raising Curls. Great name by Emil. He just pulled that out of his ass. What a I, fantastic name. I loved it. I, 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 try, I love Waves and Curls. Like they just are, they just change the tone and the atmosphere when they come out. It's like they got they have like the it factor to connect with the crowd. I just never heard Emil. I've never heard an announcer actually call a name and make it stick. That name's going to stick. Tope yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that Emil made it. Like it just sounded like, Hey, if it like, I didn't know that was like, I thought that was the yeah. actual name and probably will be now. Yeah. So Emil goes Tope Confetti. And then you hear, you hear uh praise that go, dude, you just, did you just make that up? And he's like, yeah, he goes, that sounds awesome. And it turned into a whole thing right there. All right. So that made me question, does cheeseburger have the tope con carne? 
I think there was a spot where Los Macizos was going for a move on Janai and they stopped and switched up to something else. I think it's because of her neck thing. I don't really know too much and I don't want to dig too, too deep, but you can see where Mieta was going for something. And then they were going to do like, I think it was like a neck breaker type thing on Janai. And then Cyclope kind of got a hold of her and he's like, nope, I don't yeah. know what the situation was. And then I felt like maybe they were going to do it on the wrong person. Like, uh, you know how they had set up the moves. Oh, I thought yeah. maybe it was a miscommunication. That's what I, I originally caught that too, just real fast. I didn't even put the thing with the Janai Kai in her neck. I didn't even put that together. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So back to it here. Janai retrieves the door at minute six and a door bridge is built. We have chairs now too. Masisos bring in their own two chairs and Sabu them into Yokai's heads. Back into the uh, finish here. We have Yoya. He eats a doomsday destroyer through the door bridge for the win. Our winners here, Los Macisos. Thank God. I've been dying for them to get a tag victory here. I'm just saying, like, they're losing, they're losing, they're losing. Like, I was yeah. actually surprised. I thought this was going to be one of those moments for Waves and Curls or Yokai, especially Waves and Curls uh, being in the, kind of like their home area. I was kind of rooting, not rooting for all, uh, Waves and Curls, expecting them to win, but uh, Los Macisos getting have been surprised me, and I'm glad, though. I'm glad because I've been saying for a while, like, with these losses, it's either leading to a breakup or, as you said, maybe they're starting from the bottom, got to do some losses and start building the momentum back up and climb their way back up to the tag titles. Well, the veteran team pulled off the win. That's for damn sure. Um, I'm going to go back to it. Like, fast-paced card. This this seems like more of what GCW fans want in their pace, if you ask me. If they just added violence in there, everyone would be happy. Like if every card had this kind of pace with these kind of stars, just boom, boom, boom. I don't know if it's one way or the other, but GCW has either dialed in their audience or they've listened to their audience and the audience has dialed in GCW. I don't know which one it is, but it's working. That's really the point. Yeah, I've like as I said before, as you said, I really like the way this whole card was pacing. It just other than the intermission, it just felt like everything was rolling into each other. It mm -hmm. felt good, and like there was no down matches. Like normally, we kind of talk about maybe one or two matches that maybe didn't live live up to our expectations, or the action wasn't as much as we expected. With this card, there was constant action left and right, and everyone was delivering it. I think it did, as you mentioned, help out the overall feel of the whole show. I was going to say something else. I totally forgot what I should have wrote it down. <laughs> well, I wasn't uh, going to be. I wasn't going to be an asshole about it because I was like, uh, the the Billy Starks match for me was the one that was kind of a, a no lie, no lie. I, I, I'm just. We'll get to it, and I'll explain. You know, but that was the one match where I was like, okay, this is the one for me on every <laughs> show. I uh, I really am looking forward to Macisos versus Violence is Forever too. When that match was announced, I was like, that is two teams that are perfectly mm. built for each other. I just wonder if I could get a little violence and how much more violent Violence is Forever would uh, be willing to go into. They're willing to Hopefully go into the forever. deep. <laughs> Fucking stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> All it's right, people. I'm sorry. <laughs> that will lead us into our seventh matchup of the evening, which is another title match, as it is for the GCW Tag Titles, as the East West Express, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne 
defend the titles against, I like this team, of Gringo, Loco, and Jack Cartwheel. I've been saying these two gelled. They have found some chemistry uh, over the last few months working together, I'm going to assume, uh, down in Mexico with AAA and all the times that they've been booked together in GCW. I really like this tag as a parent and wouldn't mind seeing it go forward just to kind of, they're, unless they're going to chase after like maybe the JCW title, I could see that being a title that those two could chase after in the singles. If they're not chasing after that title and not doing anything in singles, might as well, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them just move forward as a tag team until something comes up with them singles in a creative kind of manner. I, I would love them at tag team, but I want to see Gringo and Jack against Waves and Curls, against Macisos, against these different teams in GCW. And I think that this match was a uh, good match for their first team, first time really teaming and getting a tag title match. The chemistry uh, Jack and Gringo had was awesome. Um, but the chemistry that Nick and Jordan have definitely uh, shown in this one and outpaced it and uh, helped them pick up the victory. Oh, I know. I, I went I went way ahead. I went to the ending, but uh, I'll stop talking. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. No, no. Relax, my friend. Take it easy there. I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and just tell a little bit of a story here. All right. So as of the day that this was going on, East West was celebrating their 99th day as GCW champions. Um, we could have, we could have, uh, we could have played that up storyline wise, by the way. Are they going to do it? Are they going to hit day 100? Will they win this fucking match? What a great set of questions that could have come out of this. If you just would have checked what day it was, everyone, you could have had a fantastic little angle right there. And especially right, so. to get this, to, sorry, just to get our mind off of thinking, like my mind, I'm like automatically, hey, Jordan and Nick are going to win. They got that big yep. match coming up against the Bookers. Like that goes against my problem. In the past of future booking these title matches when it, there's still defenses to be had and it just affects my mind going into this match. I expected watching a great match. I thought there was no way Gringo and Jack Hartwell were going to win, though. So that, that's why I kind of get frustrated with that shit. It's like, I expect it. Like, I know it's it's ruined, kind of. Gotcha. The ending's ruined. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gringo Loco and Cartwheel, they end up coming out together. Gringo has 23 years in the industry. That's more in-ring years than most of the wrestlers' ages in the match. We need to put more titles on this man. There's never a bad performance. He's bilingual, and he instantly upgrades any match that he's in. Cartwheel has a background in powerlifting, which explains his impressive leg strength. And talk about a solid performer to trust someone with. That would be the one you'd want to trust someone. He could pick him up. He could do his thing. You know that he's not going to drop him anytime soon. Nick fucking Wayne chants from everyone in the crowd. They're just all about appreciating Nick Wayne. Wrestlers, again, hyping up the crowd before the match starts. It seems like the new trend in GCW. I think that started in Las Vegas when they hyped us up for that, uh, you know, gringo and whatnot. And then it just went out and popped. Next show, they did it again. And they're still doing it now. So they're trying to, you know, they've learned to try to get the crowd into it a little bit before the match starts. And I think that also helps the performers get a little pumped. Yeah. And it's also face versus face. All that, like these times we've been seeing it, it's mostly been like the faces of who's going to get the overall advantage with the crowd reaction uh, in these matches. That's what I've kind of noticed as when they've been doing that. Come on, let's go. It seems like, hey, it's, face, it's always the faces. It's not obviously the heels. Right. It, uh, okay, so this one was a very fast-paced match. It was really hard to make notes on it. A really difficult time to call spots when almost everything is impressive and worth mentioning. 
There was a spot here that I will put on just for a moment. Oliver smacks Jack with a chop and there's a huge cloud of sweat that's left behind. The huge GCW and sign in the back basically provides perfect lighting. So then when Jack answers back on Oliver a moment later, you can actually see the sweat fly off of Oliver's chest. It's just a really cool thing. And again, the camera and the lighting had to be just right to pick up all that. But again, when they did do it, the impact looked fantastic. If they could get that down to a science, those shots, almost every shot where sweat would fly, would show up on camera. How freaking yeah. cool would that be? I mean, we got it too for like when Jordan and Zack Sabre in Vegas, when they had it, you could see the sweat flying off on camera yeah. when they had that chop battle. Like I thought that's what made it look so much cooler and more effective in the chops, seeing that sweat in the camera angle. As you said, they should kind of, I don't know how often independent wrestlers, wrestlers kind of talk to the cameraman or like the whoever's running the the camera like switching between the camera views i wonder how much communications involved that way in independent wrestling have you heard anything or have any insight on that it's encouraged by all of the veterans if they have one to talk to the cameraman about that spot if they have a spot to talk to the yeah. cameraman about that spot to make sure that they get the best view the reason being, of course, the right angle gives them the most amount of impact. Simple stage, just like anything else. If you were going to have someone on screen go, <gasps> and they're all scared, you want that camera right there in that face to catch that surprise. Same thing. Yeah, yeah they, they Play to the camera, always. And make sure that the camera is there to play to. And in the right position, and hey, it's on the... the fight TV feed and not just there. And they, you know how sometimes they mess up and hit the wrong, can't go to the wrong camera at the wrong times. Like yes. I've seen it lately in AEW where they're kind of missing like some big spots. And I'm like, it's AEW, like this should be happening. And then it made me start thinking of independent wrestlers. And I, I, I was actually wondering like how often, like that was one of my questions I wanted whenever we started doing these interviews, I was going to ask like, when you guys know you got like one of these big, holy shit spots coming up. Like when Ricochet and Osprey did like the backflip and like, you catch a camera angle on the reaction, like Nick Wayne, Nick Wayne and Osprey, like when they caught Nick Wayne's reaction to Osprey mm -hmm. backflipping out of that top rope or reverse or Corona. Like, I always wondered, like, did the if the talent told the camera person to do that? It's just a stupid behind the scenes thing that I was thinking about. Probably like the last couple, well, probably like the last week, because like, AW had it quite a few times the last week. I noticed missed camera, good camera angles and opportunities. Yeah, I, I mean, if you ask me how often, that's down to the professionalism of the talent. If the talent every show says, look, I have at least two, three shots a show that I need from you here, here and here, then great. I mean, somebody might say, look, I need you right here because they do one big spot during a big show. So I don't know. But someone like Effie, I could see where the camera people have an understanding of his formula and know where to stand when it's time to stand there. Um, but yeah, I could see where there are certain people, especially on their entrances, they say, I need a camera at my feet at the corner. I'm going to pose on the corner, stay right there. Then I'm going to go over. I need hard cam to go over here. I'm going to play the hard cam in front of the ropes with all the crowd, going to have my hands up. And then if you want to take that same camera that shot me from the corner, bring it over to the center and shoot me from the bottom up. I'm going to look bigger that way. And yeah, so it, it's all, uh, it's most of it, not most of it, almost all of it has been, um, what's the word for it? 
there's a formula for yeah. one. Like I said, even calling the one down below, that's to make you look bigger. Same thing. That's why it's good to take pictures from that down angle and up. I just wonder how much like the camera people are kind of notified for those things. That, I don't know. That's that's a fantastic question. I we interview needed, GP. You know what I mean? We'll talk to. <laughs> well, I mean, as needed. Uh, but honestly, of course, it's just it's up to the person. I'm sure there may be a show where only one or two things are really needed by a camera person. To, but I'm sure there are other ones where, you know, one or two shots are required for this one or that one. Yeah. A minute or two. I mean, absolutely. I mean, so the, <laughs> the short answer is yes, B. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are a lot of variables that can change that. Like if there's only one camera, where that camera is definitely matters. I'm sorry. If there's one outside of the hard cam, where that one hand cam, mat- it, it matters 100%. Yeah. And then the performers then are also playing to that camera. If not the crowd, that camera. Or the hot corner, the hot where the crowd is, where they're the hottest. Sometimes they'll play up to them because that that um, that excitement can grow throughout the crowd, and then the whole crowd has that excitement. That was that was a very long answer. I'm so sorry, but it was a good answer. I just wondered how often, like independent and on the independent scene, how often is that actually being utilized and yeah. taken advantage of? Because I think it is a good tool to have to further storylines or further your character development and just capture the per- perfect moments. Okay, here's how often. The pizza cutter spot. You know how they do the thing? He does a pizza cutter. They have the little thing and they zoom in. Yeah. Okay. How many people use that same camera angle when they bring them up to the ropes and do the same thing like Yamashita does? Okay. That's just one. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Uh huh. So then there's the one, like I said, where your camera from the ground, you're looking up at the post, the person's on the post doing their thing. That's another one. Quite a few people use that. And if they don't use that down there because they may have someone on the ramp getting ready to shoot the next person on the ramp, then they'll use the hard cam and the person will catch them on hard cam over the crowd. Like there's ways. All of it. All of it's a formula. It's beautiful for that reason. Yeah. I was listening. Yeah, man, there's a lot to it. All right, so I'm not going to mention it hopefully more times than this, but there were more Nick Wayne chants going on. Anytime he's tagged in, Nick Wayne, Nick Wayne, gosh, it's going to suck to see him go. But as of this recording right now, Nick Wayne has probably already put down his performance for AEW tonight. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Hopefully I recorded it. Uh, (laughs) Jack, Jack versus Wayne needs to happen on a bigger stage. They really had a nice matchup together. They look good together. They look even. They have youth. They have speed. More importantly, they look like when they dance together, they don't fuck up that much. Like It looks like a nice, smooth transition. And if they had a uh, chance to practice, I think they would just put on a stellar match. I, I want to say Nick Wayne kind of get more single matches, too. We haven't seen lately too many singles of Nick Wayne. Yeah, that East-West thing, I, I think, okay. We can talk about that for a second, too. It preserves Nick Wayne, so he doesn't get in as much fucking, you know, hazard. There's not as much hazard. He goes in and still has an 11-minute match, but it's half carried by his his, uh, partner, Oliver. So really, I mean, even though he's out there for 11, he's only working for five and a half, and that keeps him out of trouble. Yeah, see, I would like to see Alec Price versus Nick Wayne in a one-on-one match, because, like, I'm trying to think back of like when the last time we saw Nick Wayne, like the only time I could singles match I could think of is other like Billy Starks and Will Ospreay. <laughs> like I can't think of any like really, really other single matches he's been in. I'm going to have to look. That. 
oh, come on now. There had to have been something. Re- well, no. Because, I mean, so. as long as those titles, as long as Jordan and Wayne are in the building, they're going to have to defend those tag titles. And yeah. Jordan and Wayne, well, Jordan especially is always there. So I think it's only a matter of time for Wayne then where, yeah, God, I got a lot. Of <laughs> I'm like, hmm. okay, so. Yeah, East-West, they wrestled a lot of this match as a team working together in the ring. Rarely they're wrestling as a single competitor. I don't two I actually think year. that's exciting. So two times? Three times uh, this year. Three. That's it. Leon Slater, Arez, and Matt Cardona. Those are three fantastic opponents. Yeah. I wow. forgot about the Leon Slater one that we finally did get that on New Year's Day. <laughs> I know, right? That's like a late Christmas uh, Oh, and Alec Price. Gift. Alec Price and Nick Wayne did fight at the FET uh, in November of last year. Okay, so that price that match did happen. We just watched so many wrestling and just like I don't remember any of these matches. You're right. Well, you think like I okay. see it. So let's do some let's do some wicked math just for a second. Let's just say there's nine matches every show. What is sixty-eight times nine? Six. Why you say six? Oh, they did sixty-eight shows last year. Sixty-eight. It's our sixty-eight episodes times nine oh. matches. Yeah, that's What's just all the matches we cover. Just, just, yeah, just for fun. I'm just kind of curious. What is that? Let's see. Yeah, I'm pulling up the good old calculator. 68 times nine. Oops, not 69. 612 matches. That's so, just GCW shows we've covered. Not counting my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They're not covering my midweek matches. Yeah, and I'm down to strictly watching mostly GCW right now outside of a couple independents here and there. So... Wow. Uh, yeah. So that's why sometimes I guess a match might get mixed in our heads is because uh, it's been over 600. Uh, okay. On the low end, we've covered probably 550. Oh, oh yeah. For sure. On the extreme low end, the extreme low end, you and I have definitely talked in depth about at least 500 matches. Okay. I think there's only four yeah. shows we've actually never covered. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm that pretty from like sure. ETW slash even JCW. <laughs> Like I'm pretty sure we've we've we have really thrown content out there on that. Well, wow. um, yeah. So, wow. Yeah, on the low end, 500 matches for sure. sure. Holy shit. Okay, so <laughs> same with this crowd. I'll go back to it for a second again. You knew the GCW chance would not stop. Well, they've carried the fuck on throughout this thing. A nice little uh, double dust till dawns by the East West came out at one point. This is awesome chance are now coming from the crowd as we go deep into the match. No one has let off the gas the whole time. So I'll go then straight to the ending. Wayne with a tope onto Gringo, Oliver with a clout cutter onto Jack, and then Wayne gets back in the ring and they hit double clout cutters for three. So our winners in this one are the East West Express. And it is getting close to those times where I'm getting a little nervous about when those titles are getting dropped. And this one, on the 99th day, with the right storytelling, I really would have believed it, and so probably would have so many others. Yeah, they could have done something to make it, I guess, I had no doubt in my mind, but if you, they would have built it up, as you said, to kind of put some doubt in our minds, I would have been more the emotionally involved treatment, in it. bro. We're at 99. Will it get to 100? Will you, you know, it's not a win, but will they get to 100? Well, the even announced tag team in GCW history. Will they reach say. triple digits? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's exactly what I was about to say. Like how MLJ is announcing for Jordan every, like, this is his sixth title defense. This is his seventh. Like, he doesn't do that for anything else. Like, they would be cool if they added that because it would add more 
like prestige to the belts and also more excitement and possibilities of them losing it when they make it kind of a big deal about it. Yeah, breaking up these two is going to hurt one day. That's about the best way to do it. Uh, great job, Jack and uh, Gringo, for putting in serious work. They both looked great. Youth basically brought in an extra gear of excitement to this match. There's probably no other way to put it. With East-West, Cartwheel, Billy, and a few others, I'll go back on it. We could have had a youthful face stable in GCW that could have been at least dominant for a while. And it would have put some awesome matches on film for the history of GCW, which luckily we got a lot of. And I'm sure it was probably discussed at some point. They did call themselves the Brat Pack. That's what I was just about, I was about to say. We got the Brat Pack, <laughs> but even though they never really wrestled together, I think maybe once or twice we saw like different variations of the Brat Pack. But uh, like when you were mentioning, I was like, yeah, they do. Like, they, was it Brogan, Billy, Starboy, Nick? Jordan, and I think and I'm missing one more. Alec may have been, yes. Yeah, I think that was six in that picture I saw. <laughs> That's it. So yeah. I, I don't know. It was an idea, but uh, oh, before I forget, Wayne has a mic. I believe he pushes the match against Amazing Red and the other person. I'm so sorry, but the other guy, I don't know his name, but I couldn't understand. Ryan XL, right? There we go. I'll believe you. Not good timing for audio problems. Again, it was kind of an echo. I think they tried to fix it towards the end. Again, I may be getting a little rough here, but I couldn't hear some of the stuff that was being said. Like I said, a little bit of an echo. I'm a dick. They're going to hate me. Okay, let me tell you guys, honestly. um, Let's see. Without going too far verbatim, I actually got a hold. I don't even know if you knew this. I got a hold of GPW Productions. Yeah. Did I tell you this? Yeah. Okay, maybe I haven't. I think you said it on there too. Oh, I did? I think so. Okay, then. Just kidding. I'll tell you what, though. We do have a good good relationship with them, but I do try to make sure at all times I say, look, man, this is what I hear. And the reason why I hear it is because I feel like other people hear it too. And when I sit down with people, it's usually new people sometimes too, they hear it. So I try to sometimes mention what they hear because I'm kind of glazed over sometimes by, you know, certain wrestlers, you know, like they're a joke wrestler. I glaze that over. I don't expect them to have a great technical match. That's glazing. Same thing. I, I glaze over certain production things back in the day and I'm like, no, this needs to change. And then I'm pretty happy and I am pretty happy now. But then my, my son or somebody will sit down and be like, oh, man, I can't hear this. Or, oh, hey, there's an echo here. And I'm like, oh, shit, I can't hear it. So I mention it. Yeah, I just want to give They're good listeners. GPW is such nice people. Well, if they're listening, here's what I was going to say. I just I did want to give a shout out to them because, like I said, my wife, who doesn't pay too much attention to it, but I wanted to show her Alec Price getting the streamers because it was fuck like it was a cool moment of the night for me. And it was like the first moment of the night. And like I just played it on my phone and like she was like like the sound she's like that's alec alec price's music like that's it like she could hear it and she's like i don't even pay attention so make sure you mention that that they did a great job with the audio because i don't pay attention and i noticed the difference so yeah, i i get yeah. that i think they did a good job on it tonight but I still that, say, the mic was a little hard you got me on that one though you made some good <laughs> points that i was just like i think what it is is once i get a certain opinion i just follow the rest of that opinion and you made the minute you said the music i went holy shit the music was very very easily heard i'm like damn it 
what we just it was even louder on my good. phone than headphones like it was way really? louder on my phone than headphones like i was like even when i was showing it to her i was like i backed up and I had to turn it down a little bit because it came through that that well and cl- and clear that's the moment like when you hear the duh, duh, duh. like uh-huh, that's the part we uh-huh. don't really ever hear of alec price's music on live television unless you're there in person then you can catch it depending on the venue, like even like that, what's it called? It was hard to tell at UCC. It was hard to hear. It was Alec Price's music, but this one was like the one that she was blown away for. And she wanted to me to make sure to give uh, that production company a shout out because they, she noticed a difference and she's not one of those kinds that care or notice. Oh, that's, that's so awesome. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe I <laughs> fucked it up for you. you know, <laughs> that's why like, when you're reading it, I was like, Oh Did we God. listen to the same show? Are we kind of <laughs> the same show here? Like, right. I know we had some questionable moment at the beginning where I was like, oh, shit. Uh, Psycho Clown versus Gage is the show? I don't remember. <laughs> until I started reading your notes, I'm like, boom, it all came back to me. But when you were yeah. saying that, I didn't like the audio. I'm like, uh-oh, I'm about to say the complete opposite here. No, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Actually, that's a good thing. Because I think sometimes it's all right if we disagree on this, oh, too. Yeah. Because if you and I agree over and over, there's going to be some poor listener out there that agrees with disagrees with this and this and i'm like (laughs) so that's why sometimes i always love when there's counterpoint because yeah someone out there feels like their opinion is also being heard and um discussed yes yeah i i agree i I like i always am down and you corrected me it's fucking art it's it's subjective it's it's up to Mm. you you like cherry coke go drink cherry coke i'm not gonna yell at you because i like pepsi like i i know like like it's it's what you like go find (laughs) what you like i'm not gonna sit there and dog it's not for me that doesn't mean it's bad it's for you good enjoy it it's good for somebody that's the whole point of art hell yeah and that's why i hate like these wrestling like that's why i'll never take my wrestling opinion ever seriously or get butt hurt if someone like does not like it or anything it's like no like it's fine. You can have your opinion. You don't have to agree. You like that. I like this. Just don't sit there and shit on me or my product because you don't like anything. <laughs> right. And I've been pretty fortunate with my eye. Every now and then I'll have someone be like, uh, I don't see it. And I get that. Yeah. It, it just it happens that way. And then there are other people like, OK, no lie. Like we talked about Masha. There's a lot of people love her. They love this. They love that. That's fair. I don't have anything really too bad to say about it. I just, it's not for me and that's okay. Yeah. So see, what? mine's, mine's Blackwood and I switch. Like I'm fluid in all my thoughts. Like yes, yeah. I it wasn't too much of a fan of his. He did some crazy shit, the collective, like, and added some news and like his style against Jimmy Jacobs. I was like, if I get that version of Kevin Blackwood, I like him a lot more than I, what I do now. I, he's good in the ring, but like for me, that's it. But I changed my mind. I see something like, what, uh, what do we do? Kenzie page. Like we kind of said, Hey, she had a bad match of the collective. And I'm like, Oh, never mind. I'm wrong. She's right. She's good. I saw yep. better stuff. Like, we we catch them in these 20 minute clips and we don't know of all the stuff that they've been through. So I, I, I just hate when people attack other people for the rest of things. Like I love the art, like not the arguments. I love the discourse, the back and forth. And I get to learn stuff of, Hey, this is what you see in that person. Okay. Next time I watch it, let me see. Yeah. Let me see. Oh yeah. If you're into that, that's why you like them. Of course you like them. That's cool. Like it's just not for me and, or whatever my taste is not for certain people. It's just, it is what it is. Like I just hate when they get so territorial and defensive. It's just like, I love the dis- the discourse back and forth no it, and it's healthy um that's yeah that's a deep discussion there are some people that take it really seriously on the negative side we take it seriously i guess on the positive side we're doing it this way but there are some people i mean you know somebody's choreographed art form 
for 11 minutes didn't go right on their wrestling show and they're online acting like their whole evening is fucked up over this. Now I guess what happened? Some people that's their show, you know? Yeah. But then they'll show up to the next show and super excited again and not like like pretending like whatever they just said they didn't fucking say. Like I've had I had I went through like this weekend and a couple and unfollowed a couple different people because it's just like you're saying one thing and doing another, but you want us to believe what you're saying more than what you're doing when you're not even believing what you're saying because you're doing the opposite. Like, no, yeah. I don't need that negative. Like, I don't need the negativity. Just boom, unfollow. Don't need to see it and be done with it and go enjoy your wrestling and your stuff. I'll join my stuff here and not have to listen to you down, uh, like downgrade my thoughts and opinions on my wrestling. Like, I I went through a couple uh, toxic negative people that I, I know, and I was like, nope, good. I'm, I'm, I don't need That's to listen. Good. I no, think it no. should be used more often. You don't, you know, you don't need that really clogging up what could be something enjoyable to read or something interesting that you actually want to, you know, um, outside of like, I've been really fortunate. I turn off retweets on some people if they're retweeting stuff that, you know what I mean? Like if someone's sitting on there posting stuff on like Japanese, like cartoons and stuff, like it's just not for me. So I'll just turn off their retweets and, that's about it. But really fortunate. I haven't ever really had to mute or block anyone unless it's like porn or something bad. Yeah. I never really? blocked them. I just don't, I just unfollow them. Cause like I, I make, but you know, like sometimes you get the follow and like, Oh, okay. I know this person. Yes, I see them yeah. at shows and they're a wrestling fan. Cool. But then I start seeing some of the shit they post. I'm like, I don't want to see that. I don't need it. Bye-bye. Like yes, you yeah, can follow me yeah. still if you want or not. I don't care. But like I went through a little spring cleaning. It was kind of, kind of nice and not, uh, I see so much negativity about people that still show up to the shows and get home and shit on it again. But then you watch them and they're having the time of their lives, but they get, they get in an echo chamber of negative and then like, Oh yeah. And then boom, that's all that I try to, I try to keep my follows like as positive as possible and as lean as possible. Like I stick to the performers, um, you know, that includes referees and commentary and announcers and whatnot, but, Outside of that, it's mostly like fellow listeners. Someone That's what I do too. Listener yeah. that follows me, I'll do everything I can to follow them back. Or and somebody I see at shows. <laughs> yeah, and if somebody wants to follow that didn't get one, please, please, please DM me, and I'll make sure that uh, you know something like that gets taken care of. Oh, and also uh, since we're talking about social media, real fast, I will uh, I'll plug it because uh, my wife's worked hard on it this weekend. We have started a, a Instagram and a TikTok on GCW Plant yes. Podcast. Uh, I will add that to the bottom of all these shows next and uh, the link tree. And uh, there'll be some more content there right now. We're still learning uh, the stuff and we're going to get better. Right now, we're just kind of posting quotes of what we say and with their wrestlers music and our logo. But as we get it, we're going to we're going to do some fun stuff, I think, on Instagram and TikTok. It's going to be fun. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um I got to get a little more active on there at some point or another. I I'm only on TikTok, I think to watch videos. So when I get on there and I just want to see some videos, <laughs> I don't know. I, from UFOs to wrestling, to ghosts, to I watch all kinds of dumb shit. So, I mean, I watched a guy with my wife. We sat on there for like four or five hours watching a guy just take pearls out of clams. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> TikTok can do that to you. It's good and bad. It just depends on your level of, you know, how much you need to be watching that and how much you shouldn't. So, yeah. So if you are on Instagram and TikTok, uh, look for the uh, link down below. We'll add, put our ad and everything. And uh, that will be the podcast one uh, for the show and hit us up that and we'll grow our following there too. 
our eighth matchup of the evening. Oh, this name. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna mess up. Let's see okay. if I can get it right. Hold okay. on. Let's see if I can get it right. Okay, okay. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. It's Utami. Haya Shishida. Okay. Her name is Utami Hayashishta. Shista. Okay. Okay. So a couple lines underneath on my second note there. Do you see where I kind of wrote it out? What I did was I put in S H E E S H T A. Uh I took out the I and I kind of Haya, like Haya, and then Shishta. I see the ending with Yamashita. Instead of Yamashita, yes. Yamashita, yeah. That's... Puts the sounds together. I got it. Dude, yeah. So what I tried to do was make it easy. So from here on out, it's Utami for me. <laughs> it is Utami versus Billy Starks. Uh, I should say, like, I'm getting nervous watching, but like, every time we see Billy and Nick now, like, is this the last time? Is this the last time? Like, I, I get kind of worried uh, watching that, but I'm glad that Billy Starks was able to get a match against Utami as this was a coveted name. It seems like uh, on the days leading up to this event, a lot of people talking about why other companies did not get her to come out and GCW was the one to get her. So once again, going to, as we said, that other, these companies, these are, uh, these wrestlers are choosing us as a company to work for, uh, Makes it feel special, and so I was really looking forward to. I never seen Utami ever before. Maybe a couple clips of her stuff. I think she's in Stardom. I'm not. I could be wrong on that. Um, But seeing Billy having this kind of match, another big test. Billy gets. Billy's kind of like the with Blake. The bigger the name, the better they perform. She performs, and yeah, this is this is another one. She stepped up to the plate and killed it. Like I don't think we've talked since she's debuted against Athena. Uh, and in AEW, but that match in, on the Forbidden Door card, she killed it. She hit all her spots. She did good, and she's like, I could tell the selling. You could the selling was a little bit more in AEW than it is in GCW. You could tell like the the funness went away. It's the more serious Billy Starks like working on AEW instead of like selling it and like, oh, let me grab a chicken finger real fast and then <laughs> go back to selling. Like the the difference of professional and kind of having fun, I noticed with Billy that night. And then I saw the difference going back this night of her enjoying her time and having uh, this matchup against Utami um, in GCW, I thought was a big deal for her. And I think they both did a good job. I kind of with you on Utami. I would like to see more. Um, I, I don't feel like that. I felt that way with Maki the first time. Like it wasn't I've seen Maki before, so I knew that wasn't the real Maki we saw against Billy Starks in her first matchup. So maybe Utami just had to get comfortable, get used to the GCW fans, the setting, the environment, independent wrestling compared to Japan on the bigger stage wrestling. Uh, I I think we could see a bit more and better from Utami and I uh, we kind of saw that the next night against uh, Janai Kai, she got more offensive in that match than she did tonight in Billy Starks. I really hope so. This match was a little so-so for me. So, Billy Starks was out first. Speaking of AEW contracts, Billy in full effect. I don't know when. I thought of something interesting, though. There should be something called The Last Dance. And I don't know if they call it as a match or I don't know if they call it as a show. But when there's a performer that moves on and it's their last one, they announce it ahead of time and everyone knows it's their last dance. Now imagine how fantastic if we had Billy's last dance and what we do is maybe deck the show out in blue, like do the whole thing, make it a whole big deal. You know, she'd come out there, imagine the amount of respect and cheers and everything she would get from the crowd. It would be like 
a, just a, a nice final goodbye for not only the performer, but also for the crowd. And I thought it would be cool to have a Last Dance series. Last Dance Nick Gage, Last Dance Joey Janela, Last Dance this, Last, you know, of the regulars, the ones who are moving on, Last Dance them. You know, get one really nice show out of it. I, I think, think the last time I saw it, I actually just found it perfect timing. Um, <laughs> was Shots, uh, Shotzi Blackheart when her last match, when like on the Independence, was kind of known, and she had it against Jimmy Lloyd in GCW. <laughs> like it was, it was kind of announcing that they went into that match, kind of treating it as like kind of her goodbye. They did the same thing, I think, with Marco and Joey. Um, yeah. Like when the, when they went to AEW, they kind of did like special thing to kind of let the crowd know, hey, this is kind of similar. I don't know what the sh- that show was called, but I remember they got a similar um, kind of a send off for a little bit from GCW. And I I would I would like to see Billy and Nick Wayne like, hey, do the last dance, have that be the main event, and have them both kind of main event against each other in GCW, and kind of like as their send off. I think it would be kind of cool. And then you could really make it worse and have Charles Mason come out, ruin it all. Then the whole GCW locker beat up Mason, beat up Perro, and uh, celebrate with Nick and Billy in the ring as a send-off. Is that, is that, <laughs> that's is that the whole minute? I just picked the whole main event in there. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't tell it before you sell it, my friend. <laughs> all right. So Billy Starks was out first. We got that. All right. So Utama, uh, Utama. I fucked up the first name. Utami Utami Hayashisha out to huge cheers. Streamers fly. Utami chants from the crowd. She's fresh out of freedoms. And Japanese wrestlers always have the best music. Billy then kicked out at Utami's head. No, I'm sorry. Billy kicked at Utami's head and she got her first round of booze from the fans. This was when we had found out in the match that Billy was going to be the bad girl. Five minutes in and the match felt mostly even to me. Neither had a huge amount of time in control. After okay, uh, <laughs> after about seven minutes, I was kind of having a hard time being invested. It was kind of so-so to me. Utami's move set is very classic to say the least. It's like very eighties, nineties. There was nothing flashy. Um, Utami, the only thing she did do that was really impressive to me was the ending. She hit a rack bomb on Billy that I thought was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm. This is probably the first time professionally, professionally in my podcast. I've I was yeah. not invested in this at all, and I had a hard time finding anything for me that I thought was worth mentioning because everything Tommy was doing was very like basic. And there was I don't I don't even have a high spot. I'm sure there was one or two that I missed. No no lie, but I just didn't have anything. Um, I'm gonna remain open the next match or two with her. But uh, I don't, did I announce the winner even? No, you did not. Our winner was Utami Hayashishta. Shishta. Haya. Utami was our winner, my friend. <laughs> Shit. I think I'm so it was sorry. just. I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm open because this match did nothing. Uh, even a Billy Starks match like this was, I love her. She's a fantastic person and I love her wrestling. This is the first one I was like checked out on. Yeah, I think what kind of I felt like uh, kind of kept it safe. Kind of did the moves that she knew that to do. Kind of did a safe kind of match of, hey, this is my first impression. I don't want to go out there and like you know botch something or do something. I think she just wanted to have a nice, clean, 
match to kind of find your footing in GCW in America, in the States. And um, I, 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 I felt this was a safe match. And the next night she got to show off a little bit more of her offense against Janai Kai um, as she was way more offensive, I think, in that match than she was in this match against Billy. This one was still kind of more 50-50-ish, but in telling a story with Billy, which I think is good. Um, and the next night with her and Kai, she just kind of went off a little bit. But I, I enjoyed it because you get to see more of it. I'm the same way. I'm not going to mark uh, knock her on it too much for her first one. I could have done the same with Maki, but like I, th- I feel different Maki's. I knew of Maki. I knew what she was and what she kind of did with the little time I saw her in AEW, where this time I was completely blind and knew Tommy. And like, like you said, I don't want to make a first impression. I don't think it was awful, horrible. It just wasn't. I didn't see what everyone else was talking about online. That was more right. familiar with her, like of her work and so excited. Like I was excited, but I felt I didn't feel. What was so special about her? As you said, though, night one, first first match. I'm not gonna. I'll wait. Maybe I'll see this. What's special about her the next time we see her, or the next time after the match with Janai Kai? Because I just didn't catch the specialness of it yet, other than just her name and all the hoopla around it. I'm with you. I don't have a better <laughs> way to end it. I just I'm with you. That will lead us into our main event of the evening. As the king, Nick fucking Gage goes against Psycho Clown. This was a match. This is a match I uh, want to see. What you have two names? I think when we did the draft, I think you may even draft Psycho Clown. Even I'm not sure. Maybe we're talking about Psycho Clown. But <laughs> one name I want to see him. Him and Nick Gage. That's a, that is a match, and uh, I'm glad it happened. I'm kind of shocked it happened in all places, Connecticut. Not AC or LA, even LA. especially LA with Psycho Cloud. Exactly, that's one. I'm like, doesn't make sense. But um, the Connecticut crowd was hot, so they, I'm glad they did get this match. They earned it. <laughs> and we want to say they earned the next show or earned a better card next time. This is one of the ones they they earned their main event already on their one show that they did. Um, Psycho Clown was Psycho Clown. I loved I loved how his happiness and stuff, but then it, it changes once you get in the ring with Nick Gage. Uh, as the match went on, the fun kind of went away, and this was pretty brutal. Uh, I, I was expecting a little bit more blood and craziness, but also, it as you said, first time in this venue, you don't want to get too crazy. You want to kind of build a reputation with the company and a relationship, and maybe next time they could uh, earn their trust to do something a little bit more crazier. <laughs> But this match did get uh, pretty crazy, and I thought it was a great way to end the night for this Hartford crowd. I don't, I don't. Was there any bleeding? I, I, I don't know. Maybe in the mat, it was kind of hidden with maybe when he was blading in the mask. When I mean, the total blade. the whole night. Ah, uh, no, I couldn't think of any of the whole night. I just now, ah, uh, maybe yeah, we found the, uh, maybe we found the loophole in Connecticut. That, uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. May- no, now maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's just like a UCC situation where they're like, look, we don't like this. Which I guess there was a Reddit ask me kind of thing with Brett Lauderdale. I missed that yesterday. Yesterday I missed it. He said that UCC asked them to do less death matches. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, obviously. Oh, less or just get rid of it because they've done less none since then. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I saw somebody's, uh, I saw somebody's like, thing, uh, like points, bullet points, but that was about it. And I remember seeing that. And the whole time, a lot of the stuff that he was saying that Brett said was a lot of stuff we see on our Patreon. So I'm like, uh, 
I don't know if he heard an old Patreon and thought it was new <laughs> or if there was like a Reddit thing, but I guess there was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a way to go check that out or whatever. After I'm on the app. website. I don't see it. Unfortunately. Damn. You know, I went right there. Cause I totally forgot. I wanted to look it up and I don't see it now. Huh. All right. So here we go into our main event. Psycho clone was a psycho clone. Holy fuck. Good night, everyone. This is the main All event. Right. Our main event. So psycho clone was out to his usual fun entrance, partying with the crowd, placing kids on his shoulders and dancing around with them. Cool shit. Basically gauges out next huge MDK chance. He goes out there and pushes the crowd noise to its limits. Gage asks, where's my motherfucking gang at? Emil commences with the announcements, and we're on. They were dueling Psycho Loco, MDK chants from the crowd. They, uh, <laughs> Psycho Loco was over more than I expected in Connecticut. And yep. Feel free to say something <laughs> on that one. Holy uh, big yep, because I thought the same way. Like That's why I said I was shocked it didn't happen in GCW's home, where everybody would know it. Psycho Clown or LA, definitely with the Mexican crowd there. I thought it would be like Connecticut. That's why I was like, I surprised it was there. But they they cheered for him. They they knew their shit. I'm mean, like I said, this crowd was a good crowd. Um, they cheered him like I just said louder than I expected. And I I had the same thing. I'm like, okay, they they know their homework. They did it, and I'm glad. Like I'm glad for this venue and this the fans there to get what they got because they earned it for first show there. They oh, definitely yeah. showed it to be a top-notch GCW crowd. So something else that I noticed, um, they were a little rougher with each other in the beginning of this match. I don't even know. I'm not sure if they were 100% in agreement, or maybe it was just a little spat for just a small second there. But if you watch the beginning of this match for about the first 30 seconds of them actually wrestling, it was a little different than usual i don't know how to place my finger on it i just i just know it was they go outside early in this match uh nick was bashed uh i'm sorry nick bashed psycho with chairs brawling is all over the ring then it, oh, i'm sorry all over the theater i think is the best way to put it nick had a fan hold a chair while he bashes psycho's head off of it a nice little spot where there was a nasty tope where clown and gage both hit heads pretty fucking hard on the ground it's another spot where psycho grabbed a trash can put gage's body in it then hit it with a freaking chair also then took a chair and smashed nick in the balls with it another spot where psycho has a leather strap he pulled out of his pants and he decides to start beating nick gage with it to me though when all was said and done, it felt like a 50-50 matchup. There was no one really truly dominant here. Um, there was a spot here where Psycho puts together four chairs. They both go on top and fight. That's where Gage then grabs his pizza cutter, starts slicing at Psycho's mask. Then um, his pile drive through chairs. We had this is awesome chance and MTK chance from the crowd. Then we could see Big Vin and crew start moving in more weapons and removing all of the broken stuff. This ends up with us having a barbed wire door bridge that Gage had built. Both Psycho and Gage will go to the top turnbuckle and Psycho will put Gage through the door. This results in fight forever chance from the crowd. Our ending here ended up being Psycho going for a crossbody and Gage rolled it over for a three. Our winner here, Nick Gage, and a very abrupt ending, to say the least. Sorry, I was on mute there. Uh... Yeah, I didn't even think about the ending and the beginning kind of coinciding with each other. 
Because uh, when I saw the beginning, I thought they were just, hey, this is the struggle of who's going to be the most dominant one in the ring. Like, Nick Gage is in my house. And Psycho's was like, no, this mess. That's what I felt like. That, but it looked, it added the realism to it, which always adds more excitement and investment from the fans into this match. But then, yeah, watching that ending and you see Psycho Clown, like, shoot his arm up. It kind of felt like kind of like some sort of screw job-ish finish. Like, it did not feel... Or look right, as you said, it was an abrupt like. But Psycho like has his armor. It wasn't like he got it up late. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't get that part. The ending I thought was weird, but I didn't even think of maybe a possibility of uh, issue between the two as the match went on. It looked normal, but seeing the ending and you bringing up how it looked at the beginning, I didn't. If you saw it that way, like I see how you see it that way right now, it makes more sense of why you think that way is with the ending of uh maybe nick trying to get one over on uh psycho clown but i th- i enjoyed it i the, i just said the ending was weird and not like clear but i enjoyed all the fuckery in the match i just wish it would have got a little bit more uh violent throughout the place well I, I think we had another one of these i can't remember what match it was but once again we have another quick ending but it could have been time it could have been an injury it could have been fucking around and not watching the time completely unknown but it was just wrap up and done like if there was a way to do it it was the good old like almost equivalent to a small package and done you know one two three over gage grabs a mic and asks of course where's my gang at says he respects psycho clown Anytime, any place, anywhere, he will fight him one-on-one. He says he will do this forever. Do it in L.A. He hands the microphone to Psycho. He says Nick Gage is one of the best in the world. He's thankful and hands the mic back to Nick. Nick says it's MDK all fucking day, and that is how we closed out the show. They could also run it back in Tijuana when they go there. God, the crowd would be so hype. And Tijuana, I want to see Psycho Clown. Oh my God, the other guy just his name just went away from me. Aaron? Oh, no, we saw him like once. Oh my God, Black Taurus in LA. <laughs> no, in LA, we saw him once. Did he have a? He went against Joey. Oh my God, that team. We saw him twice. Once in LA, Joey uh, Pagano. Pagano. Oh, there you know go. what? Oh, you know what's funny? One time when I was younger, I almost fucked those two up all the time if it wasn't for them the tongue sticking out on the mask i used to fuck them up all the time because they're both clowns <laughs> i want to see pagano versus a uh, psycho clown in tijuana that that tijuana show is gonna be interesting was it exploding ring or something like that exploding barbed oh, wire shit. yeah it's exploding something over there i'm i'm good with it whatever it is i'll take it whatever explodes i'm in <laughs> i'm good with that shit love it all no, I thought that was a great, uh, the violence was a good way and all the fuckery to kind of end that night too, as, uh, and that crowd to get it. Like the crowd, I think was good. The crowd was, I want to say, Hey, maybe, I don't know. Hey, I'm going to, I will say that's an A crowd. Dude, A-crowd? I heard them shout, chant ratty. And then less than 20 seconds later, chant Effie. Like they were just cool with yelling names. That I was, was going like to say B plus. But you know what? No, the streamers. You know what? I take it back. It was an A crowd. Hartford's an A city, Brett. You got the streamers. You got them booing the freaking hometown hero who's a face and cheering for the heel because they love the heel so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got them singing uh, Tina Turner. Was it Tina Turner? I want to dance with somebody. <laughs> Whitney Houston, baby. Oh, Whitney Houston. I said Tina Turner the other day too. Shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. I, I, that crowd, I do take it back. That's an A crowd. That was a A crowd, and they were hyped all night. And uh, yeah, they definitely should be going back there soon. Oh no, within six months again, not before Vegas. You cannot do two shows at a place <laughs> before Vegas. That should be a new rule. Well, you know, you could be a mecca like Huntsville. <laughs> What's the other one? The Elks Lodge or whatever? Elks Lodge, yeah. That's another one where it's like a mecca. You get a fucking show every week there. Um, all right. So I'm trying to think if there was anything else I really wanted to mention about this show that I didn't mention. I don't know. What do you say? You got anything else to mention before we do memorable moments? No, I don't think so. Uh, good match. Like I said, uh, Nick Cage, Psycho Clown, the ending was... I didn't ever put two and two together. Like the ending sticking to me more now. What she called out, the it didn't look too good at the beginning, and then seeing it now, I'm like, oh, I wonder now. Like it's just fun to think about if there was something possibly kind of going on or behind the scenes there. I don't know, but if there's a story to tell, they they started telling one. So fingers crossed, they keep it going for sure. All right, memorable moments. You want to go first? Okay, yeah, I got a lot of them. So chances are here. I just, I think I just wrote a lot of them down for fun. Okay, so um, number one, this was the first time in Hartford. Also first wrestling show ever at the Webster Theater. Figured that was worth mentioning. It's historic, and boy, oh boy, for what they had ahead of them, GCW put on one hell of a good show. A fast-paced show all the way through. No letting off the gas. I like that Alec Price had fans there. I'm a fan of Alec Price, and I appreciated the welcome that they gave him. I totally get it. Wasted youth bringing their ever-improving abilities to the show. It was extremely thankful. Again, you take Dylan's abilities with Mark's ability and personality, and it really makes for something special. Just seeing the SAT is fantastic. Anytime we can dip a toe into the ECW uh, arena, and also at the same time, just watch three badass motherfucker, motherfucking veterans just put it down. They're three. I like them, man. I like them a lot, man. They got me talking about Puerto Rico. I ain't even Puerto Rican. I'm like, yeah. I don't even know. I said something about Baracho. I was like, all right, man, that's cool with me. I want to be Baracho. They're like, you are already. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I drink. Um, that unexpected three-way. Murdoch giving the match an added dimension that wouldn't have uh, normally been there. I thought it was fantastic. The Janela matches that always happen. They're always busy in some fashion. This one with Mason was no different. Highly enjoyable. Holiday, holiday giving me the vibes of Coughlin. I just have to mention it one last time because I think they should team up and be like the mustaches or some shit. It would work. The East-West v. Loco Jack matchup being extremely fun and would watch it again 100 times over. My first look at Utami that I'm still remaining open for. See how it goes. The main event delivered. I could have watched an additional three minutes for a proper finish with some psychology behind it for the pop. However, that may have been the finish for a reason. We will find out. Those, my friend, are the memorable moments for me. Yeah, I got uh, kind of similar ones. Maybe just I'll try to reword it differently than you did, though. Um, the Hartford crowd was loud, and the saw, the audio from right away, the, I saw their heard improvements, and I was in, happy and enjoying seeing that. Alec Price getting the streamers was awesome, and still uh, calling, uh, getting the crowd to call Dustin Wilder trash, even though that's his home crowd, <laughs> I thought was funny. I will piggyback on you, the SAT. Anytime we get to see them, it is a treat. Um, and seeing Wasted Youth continue to grow um, as a tag team and improve was cool to see against this uh, SAT. And also Jimmy Lloyd picking up the victory, I thought, was perfect and good and hopefully will lead to something. 
the Cole Raddy Effie, uh, Cole, sorry, Cole Radrick Effie and John Wayne Murdoch match, uh, how it started unexpectedly and adding the third person in, I thought was cool and surprising to see. Um, Charles Mason and Joey Janela, that was Charles Mason just showing off and keeping uh, that storyline going with Joey and Perro getting involved. I I don't know. I hope it doesn't drag on, though, as long as it did with Effie's, uh, <laughs> Effie's feud. That one felt like it was like six months long. Um, I just want to see Charles Mason do some maybe bigger things so we can get some different kind of matchups uh, in GCW. The world title match scene, Richard Holiday back was awesome. Him announcing he's going to be back in GCW was even better for me. I think he could be a nice, fresh face, literally, and in wrestling terms, figuratively, um, for GCW and to challenge for the t- title b- uh, belt. Waves and Curls was super awesome. That, I think, was the most... Between that and Alec Price having the... The streamers, I think, was the uh, moment of the night for me. I sing in mm. Whitney Houston, not Tina Turner. I keep saying Tina Turner. <laughs> Whitney Houston's one dance was awesome. Uh, real fast, East West Express retaining the belt. Oh, Jesus, Ringo the, <laughs> uh, the team at Gringo Jack, I would like to see that more often, especially if they're not going to be chasing any singles. Um, throw them in. A nice little feud with East West Express would be nice. I just hope we see Nick Wayne for a little bit longer. <laughs> Utami versus Billy Starks. Same thing with you. I'm going to wait to make a final decision. Not even a final. I don't ever have a final decision. Like I said, my shit's always fluid. So mm. we'd like to see Utami get a little bit more comfortable with GCW and uh, the independent scene out here in the States and like to see her on top of her game and deliver a top performance that everyone else has supposedly uh, has seen and uh, supposedly brag about. So I do want to see that version of her in GCW. And Nick Gage versus Psycho Clown. Craziness all over the place. Great main event to end the night and great way to uh, um, send that Hartford crowd home happy with Nick Gage picking up the victory, albeit a precarious uh, situation. (laughs) He did. That's a good way to put it. Precarious situation. Okay, so something I'm going to mention just before we get out of here on the very back end on cagematch.net. The JCW birthday bash that just happened got a 7.83 rating out of 10. The last time a JCW show got equal or above that rating was America's Most Wanted in LA, December 16, 2022. I recommend if you haven't, get on YouTube for free. Check out this show. Have you seen it? I have. Oh, here's what I did. Okay, now I feel old. Are you ready? I just recently got a Disney Jigsaw puzzle. Okay. Uh, I, I order I order jigsaw puzzles and I collect Disney shit. See now everybody's gonna be like, oh he's not a heel. <laughs> um so I just got this really cool Disney puzzle in and we were like breaking it out and started putting it together and the show came on. So I'm like, fuck it, I'll just turn it on and watch it. And like I've started watching it more and more and I'm like, shit, I should have taken notes on this because we could have put together it was a something. good show. It was really good. I just yeah. I just didn't take notes on it. So I'm like shit. That's why I was like, I was going to text you, but I didn't want to add more. I'm like, hey, should we cover this show? Because it's pretty damn good. But I know if we it, got a lot on our if plates. It, <laughs> if it wasn't for my time, I was definitely going to put this one in the mix because it was so damn good. Like, yeah, Mal versus yeah. Speedball was everything. It was actually Bang. more. It was more than I expected because of this. Uh, the referee, the surprise referee. And then the storytelling that they did with that to lead into this week's show in New York. I, I loved, I I thought that JCW show was fantastic. I loved it. I gave it an A. 
Like it was good. Speedball versus Mal was perfect. The bunkhouse stampede and the story. Like the, the I'm a story person. stampede, baby. That I am a story. That's all I ever say. I want story. I want this to make sense. I do this for story. I want to see this. The whole show was nonstop story. Mm-hmm. The bunkhouse brawl, the winner of it, how it came to that point, and like it's called back to last year. They had the two defending champions of the the battle bowl, battle for a ring for storytelling. Like this, I asked for storytelling. This JCW show was amazing. It was awesome. I loved it. It was fun. The crowd was super into it too. Not not as loud as the Hartford crowd, but uh, they were into it and as loud as possibly can be in that smaller venue. But I very much enjoyed this JCW show. I have to say, mate, go check it out on YouTube for free. It's under Game Changer Wrestling, but if you hit the where it says live, it should be that first show right there. JCW, um, big ass extreme birthday bash. It was it was a fun show for free. Check it out. It was awesome. I I like. I wish we could have talked about it, but I know I don't want to do another show because there's just a lot of stuff that happened. <laughs> Dude, we've got uh, we've got GCW is now and forever coming up here. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah, that New York show. We got Blake Christian versus Mal. That's gonna be badass. Mal, uh, t- Mal might be the one you've been thinking of because I said Mal. Like I saw him first thing in the collective. I was like, that—that that was my favorite. Him and Chris Brooks yeah, were my favorite. Yeah. To come. Oh yeah. DDT. Oh, I know who he is. I, I definitely know. I like him a lot, actually. Yeah. He's one of my dudes. Okay, so what else we got here? We've got uh, East West versus Booker's. Wait a minute. I'm looking at some changes here. Don't listen to me for a second. We got Bailey versus Yoshihiko. Yep. Utami versus Lufisto. Blake mm-hmm. versus Mal. Commander versus Gringo versus Ares. Oh, that's a match. Oh, okay, I see it. Cardona and SDL versus Bussy. Maki versus Starks. The OGs versus Masisos. And MDK is in the house. That's a really solid show. Okay, and that is this Friday. So we're talking by the time this comes out, it may be day of. Maybe it'll be day before. I have a long night ahead of me tonight. Oh, that would be awesome. I got a lot of wrestling to catch up on, so I'll probably be getting this out in the morning. Well, don't don't feel like this is definitely one of my so-so shows today. So <laughs> you can you can go through whatever you need to. The last couple shows, the audio has definitely been better, and that's definitely coming from your hard work on that. So that's definitely appreciated. I think people appreciate it too. We have a lot of little noises that go on in the back. So <laughs> it's it's helpful when a lot of that gets eliminated. So it's a lot easier for people to listen to. Oh, also the GC Dub podcast they just had. Um, one of their episodes released not too long ago. And again, if you haven't listened to them or know about them, they're a fan podcast just like us. They come out once a month with a show. They kind of go through them, bullet point. They talk a little bit about what they like. And um, it's just fun to listen to them both do their thing. So if you have a chance, definitely go check them out. It's the GC Dub D-U-B podcast. Yeah, and... You, anyone who watches that JCW show and wants to hit me or John up on Twitter, I want to talk about it because like there's a lot of fun stuff to do talk about on that show. And um, yeah, hit, hit, don't forget, uh, like I announced earlier, our new Instagram, GCW. It's I think I'm pretty sure. Let me double check here. It's at GCW Plant uh, Podcast. And same thing with the TikTok. Let me just double check here. Sorry. I, these are two new uh, social media things I'm learning. My wife's mostly doing the work on them. So uh, she will get all the credit for all the hard work she's done for it so far. 
Uh, yeah, GCW Plant Podcast and on Instagram and TikTok. Check it out. We will be posting up there possibly daily. Uh, maybe some funny clips and some teasers before the show of like this episode going into the next episode of what to listen to and what to expect when we cover these shows. And uh, whenever John decides to go heel, we got it all ready right here oh, on TikTok oh, oh, oh. for Heel Wolf. Oh, shit. Yeah, we whenever really I <laughs> remember those quotes as they come. And whenever I, I uh, stupid shit, bro. <laughs> but you won't change your opinion like in 30 seconds like I will like oh I didn't like this match well, did, end up pretty good. <laughs> I did you changed my opinion tonight again about the sound you made so many good points I'm like fuck what was I thinking so <laughs> I and I actually do change my opinion quite a bit too I've, I've hated yeah. quite, not hated but I've disliked quite a few wrestlers and then gotten a point there's been quite a few things you've made points on and I'm like uh, I don't know I kind of see it this way and then I'm like I got it now that I saw it your way. And I'm like, okay, I'm on his side now. Like, <laughs> It is what it is. And it happens yeah. as it happens, man. But we will, uh, the plan to go to video is uh, still happening. I know it, I wanted it to happen already. Uh, still waiting Just on the graphics, right? Yeah. Still waiting on the finished graphics version, but I got the, um, what's it called? The preview of it. And we're, uh, I'm liking where it's heading into. Uh, so the YouTube changes and going live will still be happening. Like I said, the new Instagram and TikTok, please uh, follow us and spread the word there. And we will be adding more content to uh, those platforms as well. We're going to keep on just busting out content here as often as possible and as much as possible on all over <laughs> TikTok, Instagram. Well, yeah, we, we pretty much just do stuff on Twitter, and that's I'm mostly Twitter, it on that's my end. Yeah. Right, but we need to open up the channels, so that's going to be happening. So, yes. Hell yes. A lot of Be-ho. stuff coming down, and uh, can't wait till it all finalizes and comes to fruition. But that will do it for GCW's <laughs> Cleanup Man, episode 69. And it was a good show, and I can't wait to cover the New York show uh, happening here on Friday. A lot of stuff to, to talk about, and hopefully we don't talk about new tag champs. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> hopefully, but maybe it'll be in a good way then, too. <laughs> right? All right. Let's send them out like we always do. Fucking a little off and kind of funny. <laughs> that's usually the best way it goes. I'm the I'm the off. You're the funny. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. And sometimes we switch. You never know. All right, here we go. Okay, ready? Long, long. See, okay. Long live, live. G, G C, C W. Night. <laughs>